Today's episode of A Waste of Time with It's The Real is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you choose from over 1,500 licensed therapists. You don't have to leave your home, your apartment, your car to talk to someone who can get you through the day. Go to Talkspace.com slash W-O-T. It's a special offer for all of our listeners. Talkspace.com slash W-O-T. Today's podcast is also brought to you by our friends over at Bevel, the first and only shaving system designed for people, especially, Jeff, like me, the curl god, who has curly, coarse hair and sensitive skin. So sensitive. I'm very sensitive. I can't go out into the sun, guys. That's why I'm an indoor boy. Right. You can get clearer, smoother skin in as little as four weeks when you start shaving with the Bevel Shave System. I'm here for it. I'm here for our friends at Bevel. I'm the curl god. I say to you guys, join me. Go to to getbevel.com and enter code it's the real i-t-s-t-h-e-r-e-a-l no apostrophes no spaces at checkout to get 10 percent off your first month of your bevel subscription this is a good opportunity for people to actually spell our name correctly it's, yes. it's the real no apostrophes no spaces i-t-s-t-h-e-r-e-a-l get 10 percent off your first month of the bevel shaving system Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? A whole bunch of days after recording this podcast, I think I feel like a human being again. Don't you feel like you're part of Rockefeller now? It was extremely overwhelming to be on that stage with all of these people whose music meant so much to us. And one thing I want to point out, and we pointed this out when we did a little Q&A before the actual podcast, this is not the entire roster of the whole run of Rockefeller Records. I think the thing that both you and I are most proud of in terms of this event is that we were able to recreate the feeling of being at Baseline Studios, right? Yeah. What we did successfully, I think, is create an atmosphere that allowed for all of these people to speak freely, even though there were 600 people in the audience, and tell stories like they were just in the studio. And for two guys who grew up listening to every Jay-Z album, every Kanye album, every State Property album, every Diplomats album, every Memphis Bleak album, we went to the, to the movie theaters to go see Fates of Black. I had the backstage album, the XXL cover that folded out and had LeBron James in it. That we still have. This was everything. And we're so happy to share it with you guys Thanks to everybody who was in the building, and thanks to everybody who's experiencing this right now, and over, and hopefully over again. It was cool to be in a room where everybody was there just to celebrate Rockefeller. So there was a guy who flew in from Alabama, there were people from London, there was a girl from Germany. Shout out to everybody who jumped on a subway and just came to see this, and be in this room to celebrate. And that's what this was, it was a celebration. This wasn't a reunion. We saw some people being like, well, it's not a reunion if this person's not this. And it's not a reunion because we, we didn't call it a reunion. It was a celebration. We wanted to ask a bunch of questions of people who were actually there. We wanted to celebrate music. We wanted to celebrate these people. And I, I think we did it. And yeah. I can't believe we did it. It was, it, we it did was it. honestly incredible. Shout out to everybody who was in the building. Shout out to everybody who's been bothering us on Twitter to uh, put the episode out and put it out early. Peter Oasis, who helped put it together. Shout out Carl Lunds, who filmed this amazing evening. We also have to thank Johnny Nunez, who provided a bunch of photos from his archives that we had on the slideshow. Amazing. And we also have to thank DJ Neil Armstrong for providing the music throughout the night. Shout out to Neil Armstrong. And I also want to shout out Estelle Mata. Yeah. For basically like running shit the she entire was night. our stage manager and she did the most miraculous job. Shout out to Lenny S. You know, we put together probably like seven names and we had them on. Lenny S. was able to push a few people, including Biggs. 
including Jim Jones, including the Young Guns. It was it was really, really a special evening. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we enjoyed being a part of this process. Long live Rockefeller Records. Before we get into this episode, we do have some business that we have to talk about. Guys, if you have never heard of us before, we're It's The Real. We have this podcast, A Waste of Time with It's The Real. We have an album, a rap album that we put out called Teddy Bear Fresh, where we're rapping alongside Bun B and Currency and Smoke Dizza and Angie Martinez and Just Blaze and Michael Christmas and Tunji Ige and... Jazz Cartier, and so many more. Dope Beats by Greg Mayo, the funniest themes in all the punchlines you can handle by Jeff and myself. Go check that out on every streaming service, Teddy Bear Fresh. We also have t-shirts for sale, which we were selling in the venue, but now are online as well. You can go to itsthereal.com slash shop and go get those t-shirts from the live event tonight. Which are so dope, and you guys should really get them before they go. Also, we're going to be doing more of these shows. This show was such a huge success that other cities are hitting us up right now to come to them. So, whether you're in Atlanta, or whether you're in Philly, or Toronto, or Houston, or London, or Paris, or wherever you are, if you want us to come to your city, hit us up on Twitter, let us know, spread the word. If you're a promoter, hit us up, go to itstherial.com, let us know. So, without any further ado, Jeff, when do you want to get into it? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Executive Produced by Aaron Spelling, a.k.a. The Dynasty Sign. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Billy Cristal, a.k.a. Armadale Earnhardt. Yeah, and this is a waste of time, but it's the real. Yay! All right. So, like we said, we're going to try to do this in chronological order, and the only person that deserves to be brought out first and foremost... Is Biggs. Guys, give a huge, huge round of applause for Kareem Biggs Burke. Give it up one time for Biggs, guys. Thank you, thank you. Have a seat. Biggs, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. It's uh it's an honor to sit next to you. It's an honor to to have you represent this amazing legacy, this amazing music, and what I want people to understand first and foremost is, uh, there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh my God, independent music is, is where it is right now, and fuck a label, and you know, I don't need any help with this or that or the other thing. When you talk about independent labels, that was you guys, and you guys did it 20 years ago. 100%, actually 21 years to be exact. That's right. And that was you. What was it like? And listen, we're 20 years past that point. Talk about all the labels who you went to that you didn't join. Well, it wasn't actually me. Uh, you know, that was Damon Jay who was on that road. Um, you know, they took that journey and was visiting labels uh, before that. I, I played a role as a um, more like a role manager at that time, just supporting them with the lifestyle and everything, me and, my, and Emery. And once they got turned down, they came back to me to uh, figure out how to put Rockefeller together. And did you know what your money was going to go towards? <laughs> well, I would say it's a good investment on all of our parts, you know. So a lot of times people say bigs, 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 but it was the trifecta. So without Dame and Jay and myself together, I don't think this would have happened. It was just a perfect situation. But did you always know it was going to be a good investment? Um, 
I think at that time when, you, when you're young and you haven't done a lot of business in the mind state that we had, we couldn't lose. Um, we didn't even think about good or bad. We just knew that we would win. We were confident enough in ourselves and in Jay's ability that, uh, that, you know, we would build even more than what we did. You know, Reasonable Doubt was the platform that we used, but we knew that we would use that platform to get into fashion films. You know, we talked about tech and spirits and also um, sports. You knew that early? Early on, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I heard an interview with, I think, you, where you were talking about how Dame was like, yeah, it's going to be, you know, spirits, it's going to be clothing. He talked about amusement parks. Yeah, amusement parks. We talked about having the Rockefeller type of great adventure. Where would yeah. the... <laughs> the rock venture. The rock venture. Where would that be? Would it go that far? No, we didn't go that far. It probably started in Harlem, though. Well, <laughs> talk about Harlem. Talk about growing up in Harlem. And talk about Best Out. Yeah, the Best Out, I think that's where the lifestyle and the culture started for ourselves. So Best Out was a crew, and I was the youngest one of that crew. My brother Bob, uh, Dame Dash, Rel, and it was about 13 other guys. And, you know, guys from different neighborhoods, we came together to throw a party at the Cotton Club. And we all chipped in a couple hundred dollars a piece, and this turned out to be one of the best things in Harlem. And, you know, it's funny because even Mike Tyson, he paid about $1,500 to come get through the back door of that event. But we gave away uh, 100 bottles of Moet to the first girls that came in, and that, that kind of spawned what we were doing as far as marketing is concerned. And we went to the rink, you know, we would, uh, the skating rink we would um, often go to, and girls were saying that party was the best out, that was the best out. And that's how we got our name, the best out. And from that, you know, you know, like I said, kids making money, going around, partying, doing all these things, and the champagne, the lifestyle. So that's why when we started Rockefeller, that champagne bottle was um, real important to have along with the, the, um, the vinyl. I heard that you used to go to parties on the Upper uh, East Side, and you would show up and buy the whole place out, all the bottles. Yeah. But like picnic baskets. Yeah, exactly. And garbage cans. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, real glamorous. Yeah. <laughs> we had to fit them bottles somewhere. <laughs> Did you so, bring the, the picnic baskets? Uh, no, they actually had them there because they knew who was coming that night. <laughs> when we had Clark Kent on the podcast, you know, everyone knows that Harlem is fashionable. Harlem sets a lot of trends. You guys clearly knew that you were, like, the best out. When Clark came up there, he was like, no, I was fly, and, and they understood that, and they saw what I was wearing, and they knew it. What do you think of guys like Clark and Jay who came from Brooklyn as guys who grew up in Harlem? It was funny because the common, the com, the common denominator there was Air Force Ones. So that was an uptown thing. You know, they, they actually called them uptowns. And when uh, Dame met uh, Jay and seeing that he had a pair of Air Force Ones, he was like, oh, this dude is kind of cool. And Clark, you know, sneaker collector, that's all he used to wear at that time. So that was a thing that actually brought them together. So... When you guys went down and uh, started shooting videos and you were, you were touring around the country, how long did it take for you to feel real comfortable outside of the New York City area? I think um, early on. So I was a guy who traveled a lot. So if you remember that first video outside of New York was in St. Thomas. So at that time when we did it, yeah, in my lifetime, you know, we had the house, the boats, and then Emory, he actually bought the island out of Cristal. So if you see a couple of Don P's in the video or some Moet, that's because there was no more Cristal. <laughs> Cristal by the picnic, you know, basket. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, so you guys, you guys are moving around, and how does Bleak get involved in Rockefeller Records? Bleak was um, involved before I was, you know, so being from Marcy Projects, Jay looked at um, him early on after hearing his music and knew that that was somebody that he wanted to, uh, you know, kind of embrace. So when, when I became a part of it, there was already, Bleak was there, and um, also Roughness. I actually remember meeting Bleak on a show uh, that we were going to, and they let him drive. We was in some van, and Bleak didn't drive too good, so <laughs> Dame and uh, Jay was fucking with him the whole time while we were <laughs> while we were riding around. It was like some show with like twenty people. Well, but, how old was well, he? Well, he when uh, Jay was opening up for uh, Ill and Now Scratch. <laughs> how old was Memphis Bleak? Uh, I'm not sure. Bleak had to be a teen, well, definitely a teenager. Right. Yeah. So fifteen, something like that. Yeah, like. Uh, I heard stories about how Bleak would, would travel down, you know, with you guys, and he's 14, 15 yeah. years old. Jay, obviously, is like, you know... An adult. An adult. Yeah. What's it like running around with, like, all adults and then Memph Bleak, who's not quite an adult at that point? I mean, I, I was used to doing that my whole life, so I was the youngest one always out of the crew. You know, so everybody's four and five years older than me, and even with the best out, they were five and six years young, older than me. So that's kind of, you know, a 13 where I got my name Biggs from because I was always doing things that the adults was doing. So that's where that came from. How did hip-hop get his name? Uh, from Dame. So uh, Dame gave him that name. Uh, you know, he, he, and it's funny because hip would always follow me to the shows. So back then I had a coupe, and I always wanted to lead a show with a girl. And I'm like, man, you can't keep driving in my car because now I can't, I can't pick something up. <laughs> So, you know, I'm like, you can't come to the show, but still hip-hop will end up being at the show, and I got to take him home. And then he always got some new song that he probably recorded off of uh, Stretch and Bobito or something like yeah. that, and then play these tapes. And, you know, so he got his name hip-hop early on. Um, one thing we definitely want to talk about is the Jay-Z DMX battle up in the Bronx. That was amazing. So it's at a pool hall. Pool hall. And you were there. I was there. So at that... That actually started uh, this guy named Steve Mack and Dame was arguing. So Steve Mack had a group called uh, Harlem Knights and Harlem Knights uh, was Wynn and I forgot the other guy's name. And Steve Mack used to deal with uh, DNY back then. So he had ties in with the Rough Riders. So when it was original flavor, the Harlem Knights, uh, Roughness and, and Jay and they had, um, they had four guys as well and DMX was the one that was going back and forth with Jay. And it was an amazing, amazing, amazing battle. Like, really, really close. Why did Big L record... Like, why was he the one that was filming the, the battle? Big L was just a hip-hop fan. So he was there, you know, recorded the whole thing. And Dean, uh, I, think, I think it might have been Wise, saying, like, nah, nah, myself ain't trademark yet, don't record it. <laughs> so if you watch the movie, I think in backstage, when we had the footage, yeah. that's why you only see Jay. Um, did you stay the entire time? Yeah, of course, definitely. Okay. And... J1. Yep. Uh, it's, you know, arguably, you could say J1, but uh, seriously, it was that close. Though. Yeah. You know, so it depends on whose side you was. And how often would you guys go to battle? Uh, Jade went to battle anytime. You know, he would walk around with money in his pocket trying to battle people. You know, he battled. I wasn't there, but he battled LL. Uh, he tried, you know, Jay was always open for, for, <laughs> for battling. Um, I wasn't there. Yeah, nah, J1. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard the verses. I heard the verses. I wasn't there, but they told me the verses. <laughs> um, it's incredible to us because we know this, but there's a lot of people who didn't know that hip-hop was your brother. Mm -hmm. What can you say about the job that hip-hop has done 
over his career. I think he had one of the most important jobs in Rockefeller. So, you know, hip-hop being an A&R, you know, found, he found Kanye, you know, he brought Just Blaze to the table, you know, Bink, like everybody who was real instrumental in building the sound and, of Rockefeller. Uh, you know, a lot of, you know, even Lenny Yes and these guys that work with him, you know, I'm sure they learned a lot. You know, G. Robeson, you know, hip-hop 1978. But, I mean, that's a super important piece of the puzzle, and I don't think we would have been here without hip-hop. And I think it's only right that we bring... Hip hop out right now. Give it up one time to Kiombo, hip hop, Joshua. What's up, guys? Hey, hey. Yo. When's the last time you guys saw each other? Wait, is this somebody's water? Nobody. Water. Can we get some more waters? Is that, that possible? That's how we doing it here? What's that? Can we get a water on stage? <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you guys saw each other? Um, at my son's birthday party. Oh, so recently. Yeah. Um, well, we didn't say which birthday party, so it could have been a long time ago. <laughs> oh, it's the last one. Okay. Go, 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 March. Yeah. Hop, uh, am I correct in, in remembering that when you went to go see Jay in concert, they had a little routine where they would throw money into the audience and you knew exactly where to stand? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was a couple of us... Um, me, um, my boy Bloodshed, rest in peace, and uh, my boy Ashley. We just knew, like, we didn't know where he was throw it, but we knew when he was going to throw it. So we just knew, okay, let's get around, let's get to a point. You know what I mean? <laughs> we might be wearing VIP somewhere, but at that time, you know, we hear that do-do-do, do-do-do. <laughs> you hear that coming of age baseline, you already know, okay, about to throw some money out. <laughs> Did you always know what you were going to do for a living after high school? Nope. Nah. You had no idea? No idea. Nope. So, so this whole thing, and, and Dame was the one who suggested that you become an A&R, right? Yeah, yep. Um, I didn't start off as an A&R. I started off doing college radio. So Dame basically um, he asked me if I want to intern, and that's how I started. So I just was doing everything at one point, just like I was really the only person there. So it was like, go to the store. Go to Wendy's, go take samples somewhere. You know what I mean? It was just running around whatever had to get done, you know, that I could do. I, I, you know, I did it, you know what I mean? So, and then it got the A&R just because that's what needed to get done at that time. You know what I mean? They just needed the credits. They needed somebody to go to the studio. They needed somebody to help, you know, do, do stuff like that that eventually went into A&R, you know? Well, what was it like working with your brother? Um... It was, it, was, it was normal. I was with him all the time. I mean, I was either with him, Jay, or Dane every day for like, <laughs> for like years. So it was either, I was either living with him in the office with Dane or in the studio with Jay. Sometimes it all overlapped. But for the most part, um, it, it, was, it was just normal because it just kind of morphed into just being with him, him coming to my games, picking me up from school, and then next thing you know, I think he told my mom to tell me to, after school to come down to 85 John Street, 17 John Street. And uh, basically, from that point on, that's when Dame offered me the job, like that day. So he just went straight out of school, like when I was like 11th grade. Wow. Mm -hmm. How quickly did you trust your own ear? Um, that took a minute, <laughs> that took a minute. 
Um, I knew what I like, but what was selling was what was selling. So, you know what I mean? It was just uh, trusting that, okay, I like Ghostface, but Mace is selling. You know what I mean? So it's like, what do you do? You know what I mean? Like, do you try to go the direction that was selling? Because Jay was the artist who was, who deserved to be, I felt, as big as anybody. You know what I mean? Because he was as good as anybody. So it was like, whatever I thought he deserved at that time. You know what I mean? So, so at that time, it might have been something that was more commercial to where I think when I finally got to trust myself was when we finally got baseline and we had a studio and Justin, Kanye, and I had enough time to do it. Uh, it wasn't on J projects, though, definitely. It was probably um, Freeway, maybe. Probably that Freeway. late? Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, Biggs, you know, you, you started um, also as an A&R. Like, you were, you were A&Ring early. Um, so I wonder, what's the difference between your two years? Um, I, I mean, yeah, I guess you could say A&R. I always had input in, in, um, with the music, but at the, at the end of the day, I just needed it to be rel relevant in something that I thought that spoke to everybody. You know, so Jay did a lot of music that was really for us. It wasn't for the, the public, especially Reasonable Doubt. He made Reasonable Doubt for his friends. And it's funny, um, even, right, 14 albums later, this album speaks directly to the people, you know. So this album isn't just about, uh, you know, his crew anymore. Jay opened up and he's able, you know, to give you something that everybody could relate to. But, you know, that's, I think, what we was trying to do early on. What, what rappers were you guys listening to before you started Rockefeller Records? Um, I mean, some of my favorites was Outkast, uh, UGK. Scarface. Scarface. Um, of course, Snoop and everything that was going on in the West Side. Uh, so not anybody from New York? Um, Tupac, huh? <laughs> um, at that time, oh yeah, definitely Nas, definitely AZ, um, Wu-Tang, of course. Yeah. Um, anybody Uptown? Uptown? Yeah. Well, Uptown, there wasn't nobody Uptown but Big Al and Children of the Corn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really, you know what I mean? Yeah. So those was like... You know, people I was, you know, kind of around or coming up. So it wasn't like, music wasn't like it is now. So you didn't really hear underground stuff. Right. You know I, mean, I mean, those those dudes was good. And of course, you know, I wouldn't take none away. But I'm talking about these guys had bodies of work. You know, like what Outkast and UGK and Scarface was doing at that time was phenomenal. Yeah. But a lot of stuff I was listening to, of course, was like off of Stretch. Like off the radio, Stretch and Bobito and stuff like that. I kind of listened to a lot of that. Um... But, did either of you guys go up to Bob, uh, Sergeant Bob with, with him? Yeah, I went. Yeah, we both went. Yeah, we, we both went. It's funny that that day when they recorded that song, I remember me and Jay actually raced up Broadway yeah. in his Lexus, and I was in my legend. And, uh, yeah. you know, of course I beat him, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Neil, can we play something off of Reasonable Doubt? Yes, we can. Yeah, let's do that. This song here is dedicated to Danny Dan. May he rest in peace. Who at his funeral left us with the words that he did it his way. So I have no other choice but to do it my way. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh. 
My niggas are shooting stupid, I'm carefully plotting Ways to make you rotten, well play his until you don't forgotten Y'all niggas that utilize my style don't hurt me Cause on the low, half of these rapping ass niggas wanna work for me Now picture me standing on somebody's block trying to rock I drop bombs and niggas see me with that dope by 8 o'clock My feet never touch the concrete, just sweep sweep rewards While you're staring on my dick, nigga, give me yours I don't hassle with capsules, cause that'll make the grass grow When you the project, nigga, paid up the asshole If I'm a risk of risk, getting my wrist wrapped up in steel I'm out here trying to make a meal, my shit is real for real While others worship guns, I worship tons of money Tons of fun laughing at shit that ain't even funny So I ain't pressed to make a CD, I took it slow 80% of these niggas with deals can't see me with the dope In my lifetime, I need to see a whole lot of dope I need a whole lot of dope In my lifetime, I need to see a whole lot of stash I need a whole lot of cash So where does that record take you guys? Like... Need a whole lot of dough. <laughs> it was good times back then. <laughs> that's when the, I under the mattress. That's when I really became a fan on that record right there. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Um, it just seemed like everything came together, the story-wise, and you know, mm -hmm. the money talk, the sound, and everything. Because before that was the original one, and it was I can't get with that. And then you you knew of Jay from other records and features and stuff like that, but. I remember when I heard that record, I asked you about the record, and you was like, um, that, that, was, that that was your boy, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was like, you know what I mean? I asked him about the record, and he was like, yeah, that's my man. We're about to, we're about to do a record label together, and <laughs> stuff like that. You know what I mean? So it was just weird, because we always talk about hip-hop every time he see me, he'll bring me music, or something like that. He'll come back from Jack the Rapper, you know what I'm saying? When we came back with a bunch of... Biggie tapes and just stuff like that. So or he'll let me come and listen to whatever J records he got or stuff like that. So I mean, but that was later. But at the time, I didn't have no idea that he knew Jay or anything like that. It was just by coincidence. But you know. So Bad Boy was was definitely running New York City at that point, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Right. Um, did you guys have any interactions with anyone from Bad Boy at the time? Uh, not really. I think when we got close with Big, that was uh, the start of Reasonable Doubt. So the, the first real interaction that I, I remember when he came to the Dead President's video, and when we had the uh, sampler tapes and, and Biggie was there rapping every verse to every song that came on, and we was at the table, because at that time we was trying to stop drinking uh, Cristal, and we had Laviv Cluquet and Le Grand Dime, and we was like, we need to find a new champagne, because we drank too much Cristal at that point. And then Big was just there, and so we everybody looking at each other, but trying to be cool, like, yo, this dude know every verse, you know? And, um, you know, at the table, we played uh, Monopoly with real money. We probably put like a quarter million dollars on the table, and we playing Monopoly, and Big Eyes opened up. He's like, yo, what these dudes doing? You know, ain't even got an album out yet. <laughs> and uh, him and Dame had a, 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 a drink off, actually, with Shots of Cristal. And that day, you know, I told Big, I said, look, yo, call the office tomorrow, at, uh, cause he kept saying he wanna do something. I said, call the office tomorrow around, uh, I think it was like either four or five o'clock. And I mean, at the time, whatever it was, four or five, I mean, the phone rang at the office and Big was on the phone. So me and uh, Dame, we went over to Daddy's house and we spoke to him and that's how we spoke about getting him on the record for Brooklyn Finest. Talk about the recording of Brooklyn's Finest. That was crazy. <laughs> That's the first time I ever, ever in my life was in a studio, <laughs> recording studio. Ever? Really? Yeah. I remember they said they was going to do it, 
And then I remember asking Jay <laughs> at the time. And I was like, yo, could I come to the studio? He was like, yeah, I forgot what Tommy told me. And I was like the first one there. It was like nobody was there. <laughs> it was like, it might have been like, so when, when Big came, it was just like I was the only one there. And I was like, oh, sh what the, f <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I was like, I, called, I think I called you right away. I was like, yo, Big here, yo, you yeah, 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 gotta you know what I'm saying, or whatever. But you know what I mean, it was just, you know what I mean, and that was the day they, you know, eventually started doing it. They, you know, they, they, they didn't do the song that day. They just kind of, um, Big and them smoked like a whole 50 box of Dutchess. <laughs> and, you know, by the time they got in, it was just too much. I think we went to, did we go see Bernie Mac that night? Yeah, yeah, we went to see Bernie Mac after, but it was funny because, remember, the engineer came and dropped the pad in front of them, and then Jay pushed the pad to Big, and then Big pushed it back at Jay, and they both looked at each other, and that's when they found out they don't write. Yeah, what's the longest thing you've ever seen Jay write? Um, I think I only seen him write one, Politics. No, no, not a song. Oh, the what's longest, the longest, like, like how anything? Long it took for him to do a song? That too. That's a good question. That's a better question than the one I came up with. <laughs> yeah. Because it's funny, the only one I seen him write, though, was Politics, and I think, I don't know if it was a verse, because when he writes, you can't understand what it is. It just looks like scribble lines. Chicken scratch? Yeah. yeah. And that was it, but, you know, he'll tell you, more, you know, he spent more time in the studio with Jay than me. Or by himself in the studio. <laughs> yeah. Waiting. Um, <laughs> the longest song, I mean, he never, he never take a long time. He never, like, we might have needed a long, for hooks maybe, we might have had songs that might have sat there with no hook for a minute or no third verse for a minute, but if he started something, he finished it, you know, um, nine times out of ten. I think um, You Must Love Me, I think, took minute. Like, I think that was like, I don't know, I guess he might have just been waiting to do it. But, um, yeah. But nothing never really took long. When did you guys know that reasonable, reasonable Doubt was totally done and finished and ready to be given to the masses? Probably when they gave us a date to put it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was Payday, right? Uh, yeah, Payday and uh, Polygram. I think when um, Pain in the Ass came, <laughs> when we did the skits, that, that's when we knew it was done because it was like, hey, we got to do skits. And, um, and everybody just went to the studio and they did... The skits and um, Pain in the Ass came into his part. And then I just, yeah, around that time, yeah. Um, so, okay, so we talked about how Bad Boy was, was running New York at that point. We have someone here who was a Bad Boy Street Team member. Before he comes out here, what do you guys have to say about Lenny S? <laughs> yeah, here comes the tea. <laughs> All I know is that Lenny will pull cassettes out of his cargo pants quicker than anybody. <laughs> he just always had free music every time I seen him. I was just so happy to see him when he came to the office because he had like real legitimate jobs, like working at like, you know, a bad boy in Arista, you know, and, and they used to have like, you know, whatever they was promoting, you know, he always bought it. I remember everything he bought me, Goody Mob, everything, you know what I'm saying? So he would just bring me stuff and everything and it was, um, and you couldn't really say Lenny without saying Bird at the time, you know what I mean? So it was like, they were always, you know what I mean? Those two guys was always together. They always was like in the streets at the time and stuff like that. And then he, um, and eventually, um, I just remember him saying he wanted to do A&R, you know what I mean? And you know, he's been doing it ever since. Well, let's bring him out here. Give it up one time for Lenny S. Hold that.
you know, straight from Milan. And here's the funny thing about Lenny, and actually here's the funny thing about our podcast, is that obviously this thing is like a big inspirational look at someone's whole life. Do you remember, you're fresh off that Milan flight, do you remember the last time you took a subway? <laughs> I took a subway down here. <laughs> Did you really? What, as yeah. a joke? <laughs> Man of the people. Praise God. Real talk, the train is quicker than the cabs in New York. I mean, you know, everybody don't have a Maybach to you know, drive around the city and all that. Yeah? Nah, nah. Nah, but I actually just like getting places fast and I can't be waiting in traffic. It's too much. Yeah. You're so humble and relatable, Lenny. <laughs> Stop. Yo. Guys, give it up one time for Lenny, really. And he's not leaving, I'm just saying, like, give it up one time. Because Lenny, <laughs> Lenny was a big part of putting this night together, so thank you very much. Nah, thank you, thank you. I couldn't do this without, you know what I'm saying? All the people that really, really made it happen. And um, you guys started it, and it was doing a great job, but I had to make sure that I reached out to everybody that I could and had, you know, the right people here that, you know what I'm saying, made Rockefeller happen. Yeah, because that's why I'm here, truthfully, right? Jeff hit me about 20 times. I was, like, <laughs> I was ignoring, and Lenny said, Biggs, I need you. I was like, done. <laughs> Real talk. Yo, Lenny, talk about the first day that you walked into Rockefeller Records. Man, first day. I actually got semi-shitted on. Um, nah, so I used to do a promotion for Bad Boy um, when I first started. And uh, I was just trying to make my way in the business. And it was around Christmas time. And um, I was going to collect a check from somebody, from my man, Ray, who was actually just helping us out. It wasn't even a big check, me and my man, Bert. And then when we went to his job to get paid, they was like, oh, Ray, quit. We was like, quit? Like, yo, it's money. Like, what do you mean? Like, it's Christmas time. Like, uh, you know what I'm saying? He was like, he went to go work for this company named Rockefeller Records. And I had already known Jay, and I knew, like, the history. And I was like, oh, shit, this is my way in. So we ran down, saw him, and he was like, bet, I got you. Don't worry, I'm going to set up a meeting. So we set up a meeting. Me and my man, Bert, went. And I'm thinking it's gonna be like an office manager, and it's like Dame Biggs and Jay. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> so Jay immediately, long story short, he kind of just brushed us off and was like, nah, fuck out of here. These bad boy niggas. Because we'd be like, he saw me everywhere in the clubs promoting bad boy all the time. You had a bad boy jacket. No, I had a bad boy jacket. I'm not to that meeting, but he <laughs> legit saw me in bad boy, giving out bad boy paraphernalia. And he was just like, nah, we want people that's like rock people, not. We don't want bad boy people. And I was like, nah, I quit. Like, I legit quit. Bad boy. And I, like, I was stuck, so I was fucked up. So, um, real talk. So I asked my man Ray to, like, give us product. And, like, everywhere they would be at, you know, that whatever we could make it to, we'd go out and give stuff out. And they legit didn't have a street team. So for them to come out and see shit places, and Jay would see it outside and see it hanging up on poles and stickers all outside, this bad. 57th Street, we went. Remember, we put uh, Jay-Z over the Lexus dealership. We wrote Jay-Z and stickers on the Lexus dealership. Man, shit was bad. But um, I just wanted to prove myself, and um, after a few months, like he was like, all right, cool, I get it, you in. And gave us our shot. Yeah. It's a lot of fines, too. It was. That cost we a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send you an invoice. <laughs> Who was the first person that you guys saw throw up the rock? And like, what did, what, like, why? I think it just came from the, um, from the Dynasty album cover, when Jonathan Mannion took that picture with Jay, had the, um, had, you know, had it like, 
you know, at the right. symbol, mm -hmm. which I think they was really trying to emphasize more on the symbol than actually the diamond. But I don't know. I think the crowd started doing it, right, Lynn? I think yeah. it was like the crowd started doing it, and it was like, oh, you know what I mean? And they was like, oh, shit, put, you know what I mean? Eventually made a song called Throw the Diamonds in the Sky, and it became a thing. But, um, yeah, the first, I guess, is the Dynasty album cover. The first time the diamond is up. But let's talk about Streets is Watching. Um, both both the, the, the project and the film, though, what was the what was the genesis of actually? I, I know you guys wanted to take it more back to a street sound to get away from more commercial stuff, but but Lenny, you, that was your project, right? Yeah, I mean, I worked on hip. That was the first project yeah. Hip and Dame uh, assigned me to. We were really honestly digging a hole out of sunshine, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And actually, Shaka, that was her. She yep. came up with that idea to do streets is watching. Yep, so. Shaka Pilgrim. She is in the building, people. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we had put out Sunshine, and it was kind of like through the advice of the label. The, the video didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, you know, they just came up with the idea of, like, we got to take it to what we really do. Like, Sunshine is not what we really do. Like, we did it. We were listening to the label. You got to try some commercial radio stuff. And um, thank God, because Streets is Watching came out of that. Yeah, so. and, our, and our partners wasn't fucking with us, too. Leo was like, you guys are cold right now. <laughs> so we, but talk about the idea that like Reasonable Doubt didn't sell like millions upon millions of records, right? And then you come back and you do something more commercial thanks to the label. Talk to the people about staying true no, to your roots and thanks to Puff. It wasn't, it wasn't the label. He was he was chasing Bad Boy. Yeah, big right, yeah, it was yeah, a lot was going on. There was a lot going on at that time. I think with the big stuff and just what hip hop was at you know in Pipe Boy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yep. Yeah. So, yeah. I remember, like, Illmatic hadn't sold. It was amazing, but, yeah. it, like, Reasonable Doubt hadn't sold. So it almost looked like, yeah, we got to try that. Yeah, do something else. Like, you know what I mean? Because it was, like, it was good. It was classic. Or we thought it was. You know what I mean? Of course it is. You know what I mean? Now, much, you know what I mean? But I think with the success of it, you know what I mean? You want more. You see other people doing, who both us were doing, like, two point, you know, like, five million. Biggie was doing numbers. Everybody was doing numbers. You know what I mean? At that time. So it was yeah, competitive. And so, what was putting Streets together? Uh, streets is watching together. Like, it was like it musically. Mm -hmm. Oh, that I mean, I think that's when we first did our own thing. Really, right, Lenny? Yeah. It was like we first had session our, was yeah, this all right? Yeah, it's all right. And we did it. Um, we just booked out D and D yeah. for like a whole month, like month after month, and we just did whatever we wanted to do, like and whatever artists we just. You know, we try to bring the, bring the artists together as far as the label goes and stuff. G. Roberson, who had um, like who manages Nicki now and stuff like that, he had Mahogany, the producer. Yeah, the producer. So he brought Mahogany. I'm saying Bleak came, Jay came. Like that first night or the first session, we did it's all right. It was like and that set it off. It's yeah. funny because it's all right was actually written for Dr. Dre. So when Jay yeah Jay first did that, he was like, I want to give this to Dre, but um, we end up keeping it. So they spoke about it. Not sure if they spoke about it. I remember when Jay rapping, you know, rapping in the car when we was listening to the beat. And he's like, "Yo, I'm gonna get this to Dre." Damn. Yeah, cause no album was in sight. It was like, you know, it was it was no, you know, it was no need for him to do songs in between like that. So, you know, that having a home kind of made stopped it from going to Dre. Yeah. So at, at this time, who is working for Rockefeller? Is it a huge like operation? Is it small? Who was in the office like day to day? 
We had a we had a somewhat big operation from the jump, right? I mean, yeah, from the jump, it was yeah. with Christy, Al Brand, no, Dara, Al Brands came back. Leah, Dara, Omi, uh, in the office by like Ray. 10, 12, in the, in the office, like legit. Ray, yeah, yeah. Enough for like a Garnett, softball team. God bless. Publicists. <laughs> yep. And how often would would Jay come to the office? Every day. Every day. Mm-hmm. He still what, comes to the office. What were day. his duties back then? Like, was he making like spreadsheets? <laughs> We all, we all had our offices, but we were just going over what the plan was and just talking about how we was going to release the album, what we was going to do, the videos and things like that. You know, we was all excited. That was our first office. So, you know, being in there, everybody just wanted to kind of come every day. And it was a meeting place, like a hub, you know, just to be, just to hang out, even if yeah. you're not, nothing's going on. It was like a yeah. hub. Yeah. Well, who well, else came Office closed. We get some bottles out. We, you know, we have some fun. There were bottles everywhere for you. All the time. <laughs> all the time. Who else came through the office? Like different artists or? Uh, no, not that time. Not, I, the only one that came through, uh, I remember Clue bringing early on, bringing Fab, because he wanted us to sign Fab. And, uh, we, and what happened? Uh, we actually, we didn't do that deal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously. I checked Wikipedia. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I but mean, Irv was always, Irv, Irv, Irv was, was always, there a lot. Always yeah. there a lot. But Irv was a part, you know, he was a part of it early on, you know, being Jay's DJ. Well, yeah, and uh, Irv has said, he said on the Funk Flex interview, that he feels the night that Rockefeller Records really started was when he passed off that record to Funk Flex. And he was, you know, he, I remember he was the introduction to Angie Martinez too, so Irv always was that, that guy that believed, you know, he was motivational. I mean, Irv did Can I Live. Yeah. You know, so that's one of the, you know, the, the staple songs on Reasonable Doubt, but he always had uh, great input and um, insight on how to to support the movement and help us push along and, you know, and push the culture as well. Yeah. But he definitely was strong behind, like, the Ain't No Nigga. Like, yeah. Definitely. Ain't as no far as, like, me. he was like, yo, the B-side, the B-side, I'm telling yeah. you. Yes. <laughs> you, need, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, flex love that shit. They're going to go, you know what I mean? They're going to go with it. Like, I remember him saying that shit, like, clear. You know what I mean? And he was right. Yeah. yeah. Can we hear a little bit of Ain't No? Ain't No? Yeah. <laughs> Caught that, right? Y'all caught that? These guys are respectful. Ain't no nigga. All right, let me say. In the next bitch, no need for you to ever sweat the next bitch. With speed, I make the best bitch see the exit. Indeed, you gotta know you thoroughly respect it. By me, you get the keys to the Lexus, but no driving. Got your own 96 something. You ride and keep your ass tight up in Versace. That's why you gotta watch your friends. You got to watch me. They cannot be shit. The first chance to crack for bank. They try me only get us 50 cent francs and we'll buy us from the village till it's telly. Time to kill it on your belly. No question, that more black chicks between my sheets and the next. They say sex is the Weapon. So when I shoot, meet uh, you deaf in less uh, than eight seconds. Uh, Still pounding in my afterlife, uh, laughing. My shit is tight. Who you asking, right? No one can fuck you better. Sleeps around, but he gives me a lot. Keeps you in diamonds and leather. Friends are telling me I should leave you alone. Tell the freaks to find a man that they own. Man that they own. Yeah, yeah. Fresh to death in Moschino. Coach bag looking half black and Filipino. Figuring no jazz got you a beat with a feeling point.
Guys, we just want to take a second to interrupt this podcast to let you know that it's sponsored, again, by Bevel. Bevel are friends who make shaving systems for people like us. Whether you have curly hair like me, whether you're wavy like Jeff, go get Bevel and have the best shave of your life. Right, your first kit comes with everything you need to get started, the Bevel razor and brush, as well as priming oil, shave cream, a restoring balm, and as many blades as you'll need until your next kit arrives. Nine out of 10 customers continue to come back because they see results. A clean shave that leaves skin smooth and reduces razor bumps. I'm tired of terrible shaves. I'm, I, I have sensitive skin, I have curly hair. I'm not your average, like, baby out here. I need a good shave, I need to to feel good about myself, and Bevel is that blade. Yes, so sign up today and get 10% off your first month of the Bevel Shave System by going to getbevel.com and entering I-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-A-L at checkout. That's getbevel.com, save 10% at your first month supply of the Bevel Shaving System. Get like Curl God and get Bevel. Shout to Jamal Jamo in the building. Uh, So Lenny, you used to DJ for for Jay? (laughs) A little bit. I was a fake DJ. A push-button DJ. And Biggs made me feel stupid as fuck. So, all right, uh, damn. One day, Jay's DJ, something happened, and he had to leave, or he left, whatever the case was. But we didn't find out until we got to the city that we were doing the show, I think North Carolina. And um, I would construct the show with Jay. Like, I would help between him and the DJ. You know, I knew all the records, helped him put the show together, whatever, however we did it. I just, you know, whatever, helped out. So when we got there, there was going to be no time for the DJ to come back to North Carolina. And Jay was like, fuck it, you do it. And I was like, I'm not <laughs> doing it. I don't DJ. Like, you bugging. So then he was like, you know the show. You know me. You know my signals. You do it. And Big Zone was like, that's right. You do it. Ain't got no choice, right? <laughs> so fine, we do it. By the way, I'm supposed to play Big Pimpin' and I press... Ain't no nigga. Like, <laughs> I fucked up totally. So then Jay stops. There's 20,000 people in the crowd. He's like, that's Lenny S. And he's the one fucking up the show. Right? <laughs> and I was like, a, it was like, it was a playback machine. So I was really pressing buttons. So when we get on the plane to go back home, Biggs is looking at me like shaking his head. And, you know, he's like a very intimidating guy, especially this is 15 years ago. He's like, one button could it change your life? <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, I felt like a dick. <laughs> so the next day, um, I'm like, Jay, we gonna, we gonna, I'm, I'm gonna tell Carlene to make sure DJ comes. He's like, nah, fuck that, you do it again. I said, what, like after last night? He was like, you do it again. You know the show, you better get it together. Big's looking at me. <laughs> One button can change your life. And then I got Ja, I forgot his name, damn. I got Ja Rule's DJ, he was on the show with us to like help me do the machine <laughs> and he stood with me. And I paid him out my pocket to stand with me and I got it. And then, you know what I'm saying, it was good. Biggs gave me dap. And then I DJ for like the next two or three tours. Two yeah. or three tours? Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I remember like, yo, Lenny, we got to get albums done. Can you get <laughs> back in the office? <laughs> then we then got up He like, you got to call Jay. Like, Biggs, what you? I'm like, Jay, yo, is he DJ? Hey, no, what's going on? We got three projects we need. I legit got in trouble. He's like, what the fuck you doing? Where you at? I'm like, uh. That's why Rockefeller broke up. I'm like, No, I'm just <laughs> but yeah. Why did you and then guys... we finally we got Just Blaze. Yeah, yeah, Wherever yeah. he's at, yeah. then we got Just the DJ. Uh, why did you guys not sign Foxy Brown? We, we, she was signed. We could she, sign? she was yeah. signed with Def Jam. Yeah, she was signed already. Yeah. And uh, you guys did sign Emil. 
So the roster at that point, we're talking Jay, we're talking Bleak, we're talking Emil, and is there anybody else? Chris John, Rel. Um, yep. Yeah, Chris John, Rel. Chris John was, by the way, was way ahead of their time. Yes. Like, make some noise for Chris Neo John. Soul, yeah. Like, yeah. Ten years ahead of their time. Yeah. Well, and well, how come R and B never really popped off for you guys? Damn. That's hip hop. A and R name was hip hop. Like. <laughs> All right. Well, we want to talk a lot about studio sessions, and you know, there's one guy that we got to talk about who was there for just about all of them. Let's bring out Young Guru. Yeah, Guru. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Guru. I think Guru's do say it up. I was taking pictures of y'all, man. I wasn't ready for that. Shout out to Young Guru, guys. Give it up one time. Guru. Len, what up? Guru, how did you meet Jay-Z? How did I meet Jay-Z? Um, I met Jay-Z before I worked for him in a club. But then, um, it was a day when, uh, what was it? My man Brian couldn't do the session for Lenny, and Lenny hated on me. Because my manager was like, yo, I want you to do this Memphis Bleak session. And Lenny was like, yo, you're going to send me the new guy? <laughs> um, but I did a Bleak session, and me and Bleak got, like, really close. Because it was just like we vibed in a studio. Um, and then Jay came through, and we did a track for Dynasty. And that was, like, the first day I really, really met Jay. And what was recording with Jay-Z like? Different than anyone else? Yeah, it was, it was super different. It was, um, you know, I'm, I'm super aware. Like, I was aware of the fact that Jay was coming to the studio and was recording. And, like, I'm aware. So, it was one of the greatest experiences ever. I've recorded with a lot of people, but Jay is different. It's a, you know, like, you, I'm really aware when you see that level. I'm going to be real with you. I don't know if you guys know about like engineering and stuff and what Pro Tools is, but at this time, not one engineer knew Pro Tools. And I remember, right, Hip me and Hip talked about it. it was yeah. like, yo. I mean, we had one that did, but he was crazy. He was crazy. <laughs> he was yeah. like legit yeah, nuts. Yeah, he, he was crazy. And he, he was, was like, old. yo, Guru knows Pro Tools like <laughs> yeah. with his eyes closed. Yeah, that was, that, that, was, that was like futuristic. Yeah, not, I ain't gonna front. Like I was resourceful and I went to the um, guitar center and I watched this DVD, and I was like, yo, this new thing. Y'all gotta remember, we was recording on tape. You know what I'm saying? For a lot of these sessions early on, we was recording on tape. So this new thing called Pro Tools came out, and at the time, like, a lot of people don't understand. We, we As young black men, we was trying to break this barrier. Like, it was a lot of people in this city that was rocking the Ally Pool had New York City on lock. Y'all don't know what that means, but like Tony Maserati, a lot of people that trained me, like they had the city on lock. And it was a lot of us. It was like me, Doro, like um, uh, Brian Stanley, Pat Viala. Like we was, we was like, yo, we know what the fuck we doing. Like, and can't nobody else do this music like us. And we had to, this was a battle in New York City. So it was like, these was the first people that was breaking us through. Like, you know, like, yo, let them rock. They know what they doing, you know what I'm saying? So when Pro Tools came out, it was like, 
it just sped up everything we was doing. Instead of making three, four records a day, we could make like seven, eight records a day. And, and it was amazing. Yeah, it, it, it didn't stop. It just became like 24-7. Well, so when do you guys actually move into Baseline then? Um, that, was, that, was, that was like 99. That was Dynasty. Yeah, Dynasty. You, me, him, and her. First song we did in there, yeah. I remember. And um, yeah, because somebody, I mean, we knew, um, I mean, that, that was like Juan was building it, and we knew he was building it. I mean, you know, I mean, we basically was helping him build it out. So we had intentions to work there as soon as it got built, but I think somebody was there. Bink was in there first. Yeah. Yeah, Bink happened to be in there working on something, Mocha, I think it was, and we just happened to stop by. You know what I mean? We stopped by, and we went in there, and I heard that beat, and it was the beat for you, me, him, or her, and she was doing it, and I just told Jay, I was like, yo, go in that room. Go in that room. You got to go in there. And he went in there, and next thing you know, he... She was like, you can have it. <laughs> then he took the beat. We went in the A room. God bless the dead. I remember Malik Sealy was there. And, peace. and I remember um, and I remember Jay just did it and we just started the dynasty that day and we just kept like just doing songs. Like he just did all his songs, all his verses, and just left the spaces for everybody else. So it was just like, you know what I mean? It was just when we did that real fast. You know what I mean? So that was like um you know, that kind of got it started. It was basically, yeah, so I don't know what year that was. What was that one? Who Dynasty? Because that was like right before you came, right, go? 2000, right? Yeah, yeah 2000. 2000. Yeah, so that's it. It'd be hard to remember yeah, the year. Yeah, that was 2000. Because <laughs> yeah. then right after that, then you, then, then Guru came, and it was like, yeah. then it was every day. Because even at that time, we would just pop in and out and do sessions. Then it was like, we rent we the studio 24-7. 30 days, whatever. That was the other part people don't realize is like, um, it wasn't a normal situation of, of uh, let's book a studio. Like the genius of, of Dame, Biggs, Jay, of saying, all right, let's get a space. The same way that if you look at just black culture in general, right? If you look at Motown and the immense amount of music that came out of there, it's a small little space. Right, it's, it's one house with like maybe 30 people working in there. I'm talking about secretaries, everything, like 30 people. The genius of putting everything at one studio at Baseline, it saves money, it makes it so that like, yo, all right, let's just pay Goo, and he there 24 seven. Him, Hop, the, the artist could come out the club with Lenny at three o'clock in the morning and just come there with an idea. And you were there. Yeah, and we was, Yo, I never left. That was my apartment. Like, y'all yeah, understand yeah. what basically too. Was. Yeah, yeah, was. Me and him, me and him and Jess basically lived there, yeah. you know. We had 26 to between 6 and 7 was my apartment. That was like my yeah. address. And we'd go to the hotel and take a shower. That little little cheap hotel, like $30. Word up. And we'd all be like, yo, I got the key. And we'd give each other the key and we'd go take showers. Goo would be leaving. I mean, yeah, you would be leaving the studio. I'd be like, yo, chill. We got to do this session. He'd be like, yo. I ain't been home in 13 days. I just got to go home for one night. <laughs> real shit. I, I ain't even joking. It was genius. It was genius. But like the, the, the real point of that is, is like the, the greatest amount of music in, in black culture comes out of these small places where people localize doing one thing. And that's what Baseline was. So it's like the same thing as like adding on to what D&D &D was to, to hip hop. You know what I'm saying? We, we, I feel proud that we could put Baseline in that same like space of the amount of music that came out of there because of the way that like 
really that hot ran the joint. You know what I'm saying? It, it was like, it, it, man, it was incredible to see that amount of music come out of there that fast. And I want to add on to that, to support, you know, so we're talking about black culture, to support your friends, because Juan and uh, Malik came to me with the idea that they wanted to do a studio. And they I wanted like, to do a record label, actually. Yeah. Remember? And then I said, look, if you can do a studio and make it up to par, you know, have hip hop go down and make sure all the right equipment in there, we'll use yours instead of using Sony and all these other places that we were renting. We just keep the money in the family. So, you know, hip hop went down there, made Amazing. it right. And, and that's how baseline, yeah. That's where it started. Biggs, can you talk about how important it was to not sign to Def Jam, but to partner with them? I think that was our goal early on, you know, when we started. When they came to me and said, let's do Rockefeller, it was always about a partnership because of that independent spirit. We never wanted to have anybody have more than what we had. It had to be a straight partnership or we had more equity. So that, that was our goal going into it. Um, I want to bring out Just Blaze. Yeah. Just Here, Just. Just Blaze. Give it up for Just Blaze, guys. What's up, Johnny? Jeff, we're back here now. Just bleasy. Um, we're not the headliners. Uh, I know. Yeah, yeah. We know our place. Yeah. Um, what are we talking about? Baseline? Talking about baseline. Hit! Hey, bro. It's only been about 20 years. <laughs> well, Hop, how did you find Just Blaze? Um, he doesn't know. I can tell him how he found me. <laughs> <laughs> we was working with this artist named Bathgate. No. You gotta have the story, right? Let's go. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna go back further. Billy Bathgate. I just remember going to his apartment with G one day. Yes. And um, Diamonds in the Rough. It was mm -hmm. Diamonds in the Rough. Mm -hmm. We had a group called Diamonds in the Rough. We was doing the Streets is Watching soundtrack. And they came to me and they said, we got a producer who got beats like Swiss Beats for $5,000. <laughs> wow. And at that time, Swiss was 50. That's what they told me. They said, we got a producer who got beats like Swiss. He don't do no samples. He da, 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 da. That, That's I mean, the interesting, interesting thing about that era is that anybody who didn't have samples, yeah. who used Korg or Roland sound modules, mm -hmm. you automatically got that brand. Yeah. You use what? If you, oh, I didn't see you there. That's if you talk. didn't use any samples and you used a Roland keyboard yeah. or a Triton or anything like that, mm -hmm. you automatically sound like Swiss. Yeah. Automatically. Because he did. owned all that, rightfully so. Yep, and we did Who the Fuck Want What. Yes. Right? But, but when I went to your crib, I seen you did other shit. I heard your other beats. I knew you sampled. Right. I knew you, was, you had video games. It was like... <laughs> really? A, a mini, mini version of what so you I, is Because I clowned you a little bit. You going to clown me totally now? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that's what it was. But am I, I right? Am I right? Video games heavy back then. <laughs> am I right, though? I can't fuck with video games heavy am back then. Am I right, then. though? <laughs> The yeah. only part you're right about is that I sold Bathgate my video game TV. No, you had a lot of video games is what I'm saying. What? <laughs> you couldn't afford any video games back then. You had an iced out no, Sony you had, controller. You had, you had video games. That was a gift. Yeah, you, you had like old video games and stuff like that. So basically, I seen he could sample, I seen he did all that other stuff. Right. And at the time, me and G was trying to manage producers. So we had Mahogany first, then he left. And we didn't have nobody. I was always trying to find producers for rock and try to find a sound. So we decided to, um, yeah, we, we managed him before Kanye, actually. Yep, it was before Kanye. Yeah. 
And then, um, yeah, we just kind of went from there. And Bathgate was our first project that we had. We signed them to Virgin and just did the whole thing. And then I really started to hear the beats and hear the sound and hear the stuff. And then also on the Mill project with G, it just went to another level. And by that time, it was like, you know, yo, the, the Emil project is slept on. Just got some shit on there, y'all. But so here's the thing about the Emil thing. So, and I heard y'all having a conversation about Pro Tools earlier. <laughs> so, Emil ran out of money. Actually, right. let me take that back. Emil didn't run out of money. Sony stopped giving money to her project. And I was like, hey guys, there's this new thing called Pro Tools where you do all your vocals in a computer. And they're like, what? No. <laughs> but she didn't have any money to buy any more reels. So they had no choice but to listen to other options. So I'm like, listen, there's a thing called Pro Tools. You can record all your vocals in the computer. Johnny, please, you're killing me right now. And um, Dave Cray, for the dude who owned the cutting room, had a Pro Tools set up that he used to keep in his house. I asked him to bring it down to the cutting room. I flew vocals on a hook, and they were like, that's amazing. Wait a minute. Because before that, we used to have to take our vocals, record them on two and two inch, Guru can tell you this, and we used to have to sample them and then resample them onto a two inch. All of a sudden, they didn't have to do that anymore. A reel used to cost $250. So all of a sudden, they're like, wait a minute, we don't have to pay that $250 for a reel to do a 48 track bounce. We could just, I'm like, yes. So that's how I actually really got cool with a mill, and I ended up kind of overseeing, helping to oversee that whole project. At that time, I'm emailing Lenny and Hip Beats for Jay, and they're like, yeah, he said the drums are cool, but your sample sucks. Yeah, he said your sample sucks, but the drums are cool. And I'm in my house, and I'm like, dude, I know I can nail this. And um, our whole thing was, no matter what, if you get us in the same room, we guarantee it'll happen. Eventually that happened with Stick to the Script. You're welcome. Girls, girls, girls. <laughs> Stuff of that nature. And... Um, from there, uh, everything just kind of happened for me. Uh, just, I just want to jump in. I want to talk about Keep It Real Wednesdays. Keep It Real Wednesdays. <laughs> Producers hate me because of that. Because, hey, Cousin Mike, what up? Test move, what up? So, Do remember. <laughs> so at a certain point, I, I, I will not name who, who it was. No. <laughs> but Jay called me one day and said, yo, such and such is doing the whole Brit, uh, Blueprint 2. And I'm like, what? We've been working on this for like two months. What are you talking about? Because Blueprint 1 was kind of a fluke. Like, it just kind of happened organically. Blueprint 2 um, was a bit more thought out. It was partially fueled because Guru started the argument with Jay that about, about double albums. So, mm. that's a whole other conversation. That's <laughs> yeah, my fault. I'm sorry. Like, damn. What do you want me to do? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm back. I've already apologized for that. 
Then he's like, my fault. Yeah, it was my fault. No, it was just a really big argument within the crew of like, yeah. Jay doing a double Hop album. Gotta or take or Hop got to take some credit for that too, though. No, but hold on. No. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. That was at all time, you. At the time. At I, take, the time I take some blame for sure. At the time. You got to understand how I feel about Jay. Like, I feel like he's the best MC ever. We all, right? we all do. So, but I'm also a realist. So I'm also like, yo, the only two other people that ever did it and made it work was Big and Pop. And in order for us to be on that level, we got to do a double album. And he was not, he was already at like 15. But then the double album probably take like 23 or 24. The crazy you know thing saying? about that so, is at that time, you got to remember, he never used to, he used to make it a point to not record more than 14, 15 yeah. songs. Because he didn't want to go I'm over taking, the cap. I'm taking credit and send my bad for that. But Hop got to take some of that too, though. <laughs> but keep it real Wednesdays. So, at that point, <laughs> God, I was trying to get out of this. <laughs> you know what we want me to take at? So, no, 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 I got you, I got you. So, at that point, no, long story short, producers, um, or we realized, actually, after I got that phone call, Jay called me like, yo, such and such is doing the whole blueprint too. You're done. You're out. And I'm like, Wait. first of all, I know I'm not out, but um, the next day we came back and listened to that deck, which I still have to this day. And all the beats sucked. And Jay was like, yo, my bad. <laughs> I was hyped because everything was loud. So the idea we got for Keep It Real Wednesdays was you come in with your beat tape, your dat, your CD, whatever it was, you play it in the lounge on a boombox, not even on a boombox, on a regular stereo system, but a little Sony that, I still, that my mom still has in a room to this day. If your beat, shout out to moms for sure. If your beat sounds good on this, Jay will go record to it right, right away. And you got a t-shirt call, um, that said, I, I survived, keep it real Wednesdays. <laughs> if your beat suck, you just got laughed out of the room. And you had Biggs right there like, Biggs <laughs> and Dane. Like, no, no, no. I mean, by the end, it was like at least pe people was coming from everywhere for that shit. It was like 25 people in there just <laughs> listening to this shit. Niggas but the, the, ordering pro food. the problem you know was, mean? not to cut y'all off, the problem was that so many producers got word that their beats got laughed at at Keep It Real Wednesdays. But they were hearing my records come out that I ended up getting a lot of hate from certain folks. How many t-shirts do you still have from that? I got some of them. Do I got, you? I got, a bunch I got of about them. five, yeah. six. I got a bunch of them. Nah, I keep everything. I got a bunch of those t-shirts. We should raffle them off. Yeah. What, tonight? <laughs> I ain't got a money. We can raffle them off on the internet. Lenny, you have any? Nah, fam. No, I was Lenny. listening to the beat. Lenny kept all the pictures. What? I kept all the physical nah, stuff. The t-shirts was real. The t-shirts was real. Like, a lot of your favorite producers got laughed out of that room. Yeah. That was real. Like... But imagine that. You could walk off the street and just have beats. And just, it was people that did walk off the street and just play the beat. We was like, oh, it's this kid named Aqua. That's really nice. Like, if right. you notice, on every album, Jay got somebody that's unknown. And it wasn't just Jay. It was State Property. It was Dipset. It was, you know, like, you can run down the line. Like, if you made it in that room, now your name is known. Now you could literally walk down the hall and get a check. That was like, Fight Club like for a lot of Biggs, people. Biggs and them was cutting checks. Like, y'all don't understand when that black empowerment, they cutting checks. That means if the beat was hot, 
You walk down the room and he cut you a check. It was that real. Uh-huh. That's what Keep It Real Wednesdays really was. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that's, no, that's some real that. shit. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to say that. We're not doing that. <laughs> that's not what we're here yeah, for. We're not going to say that. Yo, Hop. Nah, never, never. Nah, nah never, Tim. Hop. Crazy. How did, the, how did the sound to Blueprint evolve? Um, I think it's, it started because um, we was managing Kanye at the time. And he gave, he gave me and G a beat tape. And, um, and we had the same beats. And um, G, he made the beats for specific people. And he, um, and he was like, and he gave it to G to go take to those people because that's kind of like what G did. And I, he was like, yo, you should check these out. These some new stuff I'm working on. So the H to the Izzo was for Ghostface. And Ain't No Love was for DMX. And um, Takeover was for Beanie Siegel. And, and then, um, ah. but Cam, Cam had H to the Izzo too because Beans, I mean, G was working on Cam album, so he let Cam hear it. Cam heard it, and but when I had the tape, I didn't know all of this was going on. I played the tape for Jay, and he did everything on the tape, like in like from Friday to Sunday. Yeah, one so weekend. By, yeah, Friday one and weekend. Saturday. Yeah, Friday, Friday and Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, Friday and Saturday. So by Sunday, we had Never Change, H to the Izzo, um, Ain't No Love. Um, it was something. Else. It was everything What's except takeoff. Ones? You didn't have takeoff. Other ones we did in that weekend. Huh? Damn. Yeah, we did those in the weekend, and then we did girls, girls, girls. Yo, but you you underselling the Kanye B tape because the other two joints was the um Alicia Keys and the Most Def. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know my name. You don't know my name. Yeah. Was on that B tape. Yeah. And the ludicrous. That was um, yeah. Player had to. Oh, the other shit. Yo, the Kanye yeah, B tape was. <laughs> that was one B tape. <laughs> that was one yeah, tape. Yeah. That was one, yeah. And, 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 and his whole goal was to not have to make beat tapes no more. And that was the beat tape that he never had to make the beat tape again. You know what I'm saying? So it was just like, he just went to sessions after that. But yeah, so that's how the sound really started was through that beat tape. Yeah. And then we, we've seen where it was going, you know what I mean? And then, you know what I mean? The judge came with his stuff. And I came with my stuff. Thanks, Hop. Yeah. <laughs> Can I pick it up from here, please? Thank no, you. No, because you ain't the only one that came with some stuff. <laughs> but I was the next one who came with some stuff. You definitely was, so go ahead. Thank you. So then at that point, you called me, and then she called me and said, we need something soulful. And I had been holding on to a bunch of stuff for Ghostface. Yeah. And Prodigy. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. So the weird thing is, Prodigy was actually the first person to rap on You Don't Know. You probably don't remember this. You called me like, yo, I heard you got some fly shit for Prodigy with some horns. Yeah, I was riding for my man. Like, <laughs> but what you call it passed on that, though? I was riding for my man. Like, rest in peace to Prodigy, but I was riding. Jada Kiss had that beat, too. I didn't, I didn't hear you. So Jada Kiss had, you know, you don't know, too, right? Nah, he had, he had his time, I see you. That okay. was a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. So then I get the call, yo, we need something soulful. So I go to Baseline. And I, uh, this is when I had my, uh, my G4, the blue G4. And it had all these beats that I was holding for Wu-Tang for years. So 
I end up playing girls, girls, girls. Jay's like, I'll take that. And then he records that. I leave to go do a session with Prodigy. Prodigy hears you don't know. Then Buster hears you don't know. They're like, they're like both like, yo, the worst thing ever was knowing that I have Jay waiting for me, but Buster's doing this Buster Brown. <laughs> All the you don't know beating. I'm like, yo, this is real dope. But like, I'm torn. And I'm a kid at the time. I'm torn. So, thankful, or luckily, I should say, Buster didn't record to it. I go back to soundtrack where Mob Deep was recording. Prodigy hears the beat, and I'm like, all right, yeah, listen to this. And I played off a cassette. And he's like, he starts rhyming to it. Then he, some, some drama ended up happening. He had to leave. I'll go around the corner. I play it for Jay. This is all in that same weekend. Then all of a sudden, Jay was like, yo, play that right now. I had to end up giving him the beat off of a cassette to a reel. And then I went back and laid it afterwards. But the initial two tracks were off of a cassette. Well, okay, let me get that. Let me hold that. Let me get that. And um, Jay was great at like just... He would, listen, he would sit in the room. You know some artists, if they don't hear something great from you within five minutes, they're done with you. Jay would sit in the room and listen with you for an hour. Find those two and then send you on your way. But after we did those first three, he said, stick around, I'm going to make you a star. Three years later, I owned Baseline. Mm. Oh, sure. Press one button, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we want to you talk waited about... You how long to say that? <laughs> Yo, just real quick, can you talk about... Cause Baseline, if there was 24 hours in a day, it was split up into like shifts, right? Like people would like clock in and clock out. It was like Jay had his shift and then State Property had theirs. And, and then Dipset. Right. Is that about right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, what Dipset. was it like yeah. being there literally 24 hours with all those guys? Um, so from about, Bleak was an early dude. So Bleak, we would, Bleak would get in around 11 a.m. Jay would probably show up around 2. Um... A lot of our miscellaneous B-team dudes would show up sometime in between that. Um, then you would have uh, Dipset show up around 7 p.m. No, nah, they come earlier than that. No, nah, like 6, 7 p.m. Nah, I would th nah, you think be, so? No, nah, they come like daytime. Yeah? Yeah, they used to come like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, they used to come in the afternoon. Right? I mean, like, Google, cause they, they ain't fuck they with you till 6 o'clock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably. No, Google. Because he was up on the block and we was doing, me and Hot was doing. <laughs> yeah, because they wake be like, us yo, up. y'all got to understand 30 different time. people. Yeah, they wake us up at early. Yeah, like, like, yeah, like 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. Yeah. You're probably right about that. Yeah. 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 yeah, they're coming early and then Jay. Yeah. And, and then, then Mac, but then Mac would show up. Late or night. Mac would call us around 1 in the morning. BDC would call <laughs> yeah. us. Yeah, like I'm leaving Philly. I got to go. I just got out of jail. Or just, I just got out of getting out of trouble. Um, I'll be there in two hours. Yep. And then at four in the morning, we would have to just let those BBC movies run. It was really like a, literally a 24-hour factory. Well, we'd like to keep talking about that with some of the guys who were there. Let's bring out Freeway, Young Guns, and Jim Jones. Today's podcast is also sponsored by the great people over at Talkspace, the online therapy company that makes it so easy 
So easy to connect with experienced licensed therapists and you don't even need to leave the comfort of your own home. Or pay that much, it's $32 a week. You can send your therapist a text or audio and video messages or even do a live video chat. Talkspace therapists are fully licensed and go through a rigorous screening process in addition to thousands of hours of supervised professional training. Yeah, if, if you don't want to go to just, you know, some joker who has some shingle hanging outside of their operation, you want a real real good person to talk things through with. And listen guys, mental health is a big thing. Take this seriously. You want professionals, go to talkspace.com. Right, don't just talk to Carol at work. <laughs> Carol's a dope. You know, don't just talk to the guy in the subway and say, hey, I've got problems. <laughs> and, and you know what? Don't talk to yourself. That's yeah, the most important thing. That is thing. the most important. Go to a professional to match with your perfect therapist. Go to Talkspace.com slash W-O-T. And use the dedicated code COUPON to get $30 off your first month and show your support for this podcast. That's the word coupon, C-O-U-P-O-N and Talkspace.com slash W-O-T, Talkspace therapy for how we live today. And now, back to this unbelievable, amazing Rockefeller celebration. Rockefeller, holla! Yo, Jim. Jim. What's up? <laughs> What time? What time would diplomats typically? Hold on, let Neef Buck get on, man. Neef Buck. Neef Buck. Jim, what time would diplomats typically get to baseline? No, you gotta get up. You gotta, I, this is my first time seeing them. <laughs> When it came, we used the studio like, like our apartment damn near. We was we, we got up, and we did what we did in the hood, and then we shot straight to the studio, and then it was like a revolving door from there. So we might pop up at the studio like two, three in the afternoon, then leave, come back like six, then leave, come back like eleven, twelve, and then leave after four, do it all over again tomorrow. So you know we was. We were still doing a lot of stuff in, in Harlem and back and forth, so you know it was, and it, it's Harlem, so Manhattan is the same thing. It was ten minutes to get downtown, so it wasn't nothing like. I mean, it was a back and forth thing for us, really. Um, Jim, real quick, uh, who's the more surprising guest up here, me or you? That was a good one. <laughs> you got me. Um, Jim, can you also talk about uh, what you remember about Oh Boy? Uh, oh Boy, the record? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I don't think we were supposed to have that record. <laughs> nah. We, uh, I mean, it was like a comp, a compilation, more or less. Yeah, we, can we, we squash we this once forever? Can we yeah, just yeah, tell yeah, a real accurate yeah. story? Yeah. You, we could tell an accurate story. Yeah, I remember okay. what happened. I want to hear from Just. I want to hear from Just. I remember what happened. I want to hear from him. That's what I want to hear. Okay. So I made the beat on an SP1200, first of all. The SP1200 that I think you might have in your house. Man, technical, I got it. out of nowhere. Like, sorry for the technical. Yo, can I say the story. He's a tech. He's a tech. story, guy. baby. Sorry. All that 1200 Pro Tools. All right, we passed that part. This is SP930. That was 20 minutes. We gave him 20 minutes of that. Something else. Come on. I can do this or I can leave right now. One button. <laughs> oh, shit. 
I'm gonna turn this mic off. Nah, for real. Can I? Can you I? You want me to? I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it two seconds. I'm you can't make it two seconds because seconds you weren't there. No, I'm telling you. No, he was there. No, he was there. This I'm is annoying. You. He was okay, there. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. The fact of the matter is, I made the beat on the SP. Bleak said no. That yes. sounds like love song for, music. Yes. Played it for Bleak. First. I made it again. He was. I made Bleak it again. Turned out a lot he of heat. FYI. Yes. He definitely did. He turned. I gave him woe. He wasn't there. Right. He definitely turned out woe. Bleak turned out a lot of heat. Okay, I gave him Uchi Wally, right? I didn't know that one. Definitely gave him Uchi Wally. He played Old Boy to Bleak first, and Bleak. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But Bleak is my nigga. We're not gonna shit on Bleak. No, all due respect. All due respect. It wasn't the same beat. It wasn't the same beat. It was very fast one, and I was like, oh yeah, maybe I fucked up. So I went and made it again. Played it for Jay. This was before we do Blueprint. Jay said, "Yeah, that's dope. Hold it for me." I held it for him. Nothing happens. He wasn't recording. So then, about uh, about a year later, eight months later, I play it for him again. He's like, I play it for him. He's like, yo, that shit is cool, but I'm about to do this Pharrell record real quick. So I'm like, all right, cool. It is what it is. Then you call me hit while I'm at home. Mm-hmm. Yo, I just gave you. Remember, you used to have the infamous. Yeah. I had the CD book. The CD book. That's what happened. Because I remember they came early one morning and they was mad at me and they was like, yo, hip, you never give us shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and yeah, we had vengeance in us. And, and you know what I mean? And, and we go way back. So I felt like, you know what I mean? I was like, yo, I got some shit here. And I remember putting the CD in. And then I remember Cam just going, like, okay, let's do that. Go get Guru. Get Guru. You know right. what I'm saying? But then you called me. Woke guru. You called me. And then Guru called me and said, yo, they yeah. rapping to the old boy. They're about to rap to yeah, the old boy. Old boy. Exactly. Cool. It, said, it said old boy on the CD. Right. On the joint. Right. But can I just spell all this shit about, like, niggas was on some bullshit. It was never nothing nah, like that. I was that. never no the bullshit. The nigga Cam came in the studio. He was like, yo, go. He still ain't rap on that beat? Yo, put that beat up. I'm about to destroy this shit. Yeah. That's all Cam said to me. He was yeah, like, yo, uh-huh. he still ain't. It's like a year later. Yeah. He was like, yo, put the beat yeah, up. we got to have that. Him, yeah. and, and, and at the time, it's like Joel just went ham on the joint. You know what I'm saying? Because so it stopped on the first version of where he says, Guru, start popping them. Yeah, and I remember songs. Cam was like, yo, Guru, we're not even playing with this. Put a rough mix on it. And he ran to the radio station, yep. and he pressed enough, yep. and enough played the record, yep. and Dame came to the studio. He was like, yo, we shooting a video to that yeah. Friday. But before that, in the office, yeah, but welcome to Rockefeller Records. Yeah. I was there. Yeah, Straight up. Yeah, and then he got mad in the office and was like, yo, what the fuck is y'all doing? How y'all putting shit out without telling me yeah. this, that, and the third? I'm like, the song ain't even done. We ain't even finished it. Then Joel's came, because, you know what I mean? They didn't finish it up. I think he was locked up. It was, it was, it was. Want to hear, man? I, I mean, all right. So, uh, I think before, bef- bef- before that, before we was actually signed, I believe was or was we signed when um, Cam had heard the Cam had heard the beat from Kanye that he did to the Michael Jackson sample. It's all. Yeah. Y'all was signed and G started giving y'all joints. Yeah. Yeah, so y'all was signed. Cam had did the record in the studio. Yeah. I never forget it. Did the whole record. He like, yeah, we going with this. This is a single. We out of here with this one. Mm. And we inside the Cam house in Jersey and the DT Wars come on. 
and you hear the beat come on and you see your man Hope come out. We almost died in the house like, hey, yo, we want to, we want to kill Kanye. Like, yo. Yo, hey, yo, Cam was on fire like that. Yo, this is crazy. We just want to interrupt for just one second because we want to introduce uh, our last guest of the evening, guys. Give it up. Give the biggest round of applause to Shaka Pilgrim. Shout out to Tone Hooker. You know Tone Hooker's there, Yo, right? Yo, shout out to Tone Hooker. The guy who came up with the name Rockefeller. That's right him. Give it one time. T Strong. We only have a few minutes with Chaka, so we're going to get to her right away. First of all, hi. Thank you for being here. Oh, do you have a mic? Yeah. Okay, hey, hi. Chaka, can we talk about uh, Rockefeller Films? Let's talk about your involvement in Streets is Watching. Um, let's talk about any of the state property movies, uh, Paid in Full. What, what, what was your sort of vision for how Rockefeller could get into films? Um, I definitely didn't have a vision back then. So <laughs> I might want to front and act like that's what happened. Um, I guess, I think, what happened, Sunshine, was not that great. And we were trying to figure out a way to just go back to the streets and do what was authentic to us. At the time, <laughs> my father here? No, so then, um, I think Damon came to me in the office and said to make, let's just keep making these videos about 10 or, I mean, four or five or six of them. And he's like, this, we're just gonna keep making hot street stuff. Let's just keep putting it out. And um, there was one song, um, Friend of Foe. And because Friend of Foe was like a conversation, it just made me think like, that song was one of the most clever songs to me that Jay had. It really kind of made me drop out of college. So I, I, that was one of the songs that even though it wasn't amongst the ones that we thought, it felt like a conversation. And so we just made a visual to go to. It was, it was really all of us being young and doing what was innate to us. And so just kind of once that piece came together, we just kind of decided to string it all together. I think after that point, it just became like a group decision. And we just, once stuff started to happen and we would be on set, people would have ideas and, you know, it was just a matter of making it happen and all of us supporting each other and making it happen. So it was like, oh, let's put the bulletproof vest in. Oh, let's make G the guy who gets shot in the middle of the street. Like, <laughs> you know, or, and then it's like at that time, which is a really uh, unique time, everybody was just really supportive of one another. So if you look at those videos, it's like, you'll see Irv Gotti, you'll see... Just anybody that was around was really willing to help and support each other's vision. And I think that's really what propelled the culture forward and the music forward. And um, we were always open to supporting one another. So it was really dope. But there definitely wasn't a vision, I'm not even going to lie. So. <laughs> um, Chaka, talk about uh, you had to respond to fan mail. Oh, no, that's my best friend. That's how I got the job, um, Omieli. Monifa McIntosh and Dara McIntosh, who were sisters. That's how I got the job. Um, I worked at the Department of Immigration around the corner from uh, Rockefeller, and their hours were from 11 a.m. to, I guess, 10 a.m., so you got like an hour <laughs> off in between. And I worked at uh, my hour, I worked from like 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Department of Immigration, so I would just come over there afterwards. And my best friend, she, we get all this fan mail from different people asking stuff, and she's 
like just super like compassionate person. So she'd be like, Jay, this person wants you to sign this. Or what if she would just be stalking him to do it? And if he didn't do it, she would do it. And then we kind of started the company from there, which is another thing that Rockefeller was great for was they everybody that was in charge was already an entrepreneur in the street sense of the word. So they really believed in all of us making our own money and hustle. So they were really supportive of us all starting our own companies. So if you look back at the history of the people who worked at Rockefeller, almost everybody at one point or the other had their own business. And so our business at that time was a fan club and we promoted it and, you know, basically just kind of sprung board our own little careers from that building. So a lot of people started their jobs and their careers and their businesses out of that building and they were very helpful and supportive of that. And didn't ask us for PC, which was good. He wasn't getting no money from us anyway. Um, what is your best state property story, Shaka? State property? Y'all work my nerves. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the best part of state property was um, the idea. I don't know whose idea it was, was to move all of them into a house so that they could. Uh, I wish reality TV was out back then because that <laughs> Word, was wow. like the biggest nightmare. Um, Emmanuel, where are you? Poor Emmanuel Cuny Panicker, she had to live with, I think there were like five members of state property, but the house had like 463 people in it. <laughs> and honestly, they could have killed us all because all we saw was dark-skinned beards at all times. Like, it was like, I don't know one from the other. It was just like a, a bunch of beards and Muslim oils coming towards you, <laughs> making steaks. Oh, <laughs> and, well, it was a good time, good time. <laughs> It was good times, but I think that was like the most fun. I think that, you know, the guys were great. We had good times. A lot of stuff that will never be disclosed transpired, but it was a good time. And Emmanuel's still alive. I'm sorry I did that to you. <laughs> Can you talk about what Rockefeller means as a family? Can you talk about the family atmosphere and, and loyalty and... and Sticking with people and... I'm definitely going to save that for a Scarface movie. No, I think that because almost everybody... <laughs> I would have to say that everybody came through somebody at that particular time. It wasn't like you had a resume or you did it before somewhere. So the family atmosphere basically became... Because almost everybody who worked there came because they had a passion and they believed in the vision of what was going on. So it was almost like if this is your man and you and I, you're my man, then obviously I'm gonna give that person the same respect that I would give you. And I think that that, because we supported each other and we wanted it to win, it just had that family atmosphere. Actually, there were family members, people's cousins, people's aunts, people's best friends. I came through my best friend and her sister worked there. Obviously, you have Biggs and Hip Hop. You have Damon and Bobby Dash. They were, you know, their brothers and. Um, uh, at any given time when we did whatever we did, people, all hands on deck. So you have grandmothers baking chicken, you know, people cutting stuff up, Tanya making pound cakes, everybody. So it was definitely just like one big family atmosphere. Vaughn well, 14 on the bike and the, playing the extra in the streets is watching. Tata's brother. Tata has 14 brothers and sisters, so we always had the support of them when we shot in the projects. Make sure we didn't get shot in the projects when we were shooting in the projects. So it's just like, you know, everybody holding everybody down. It's great. Well, Shaka has to run, guys, but we did want to bring her out here. And we so appreciate her making this appearance. Give it up one time Shaka. for Shaka. Shaka's on her way to Dubai. <laughs> Safe travels.
<laughs> Free, when did you sign to Rockefeller Records? I signed to Rockefeller Records probably a little bit after uh, we did 1-900 Hustler. Woo! You win 1-900 Hustler? <laughs> One <laughs> button. It was, it, was, it was 1999. 1999. Oh, I need the DJ again. I remember yeah, because I remember I, I, was, I was just always around, you know, you know, with the boys doing my thing, and then we did 1-900 Hustler. I remember Dame like, oh shit, this nigga not signed? We got to sign this nigga. <laughs> Well, can we hear a little bit of 1-900 Hustler real quick? Oh, you got to say it. 1-900 Hustler, Seagull, how at your boy? What's the problem, yeah, shorty? What up, man? I'm the only nigga from Brooklyn out here, man. I'm trying to lock this spot. All right, hold on. Over, line one. Here's a couple of suggestions of how you could finesse it. You find it through the town, you send them a short message. Say, hey, I'm new in town, I don't know my way around. But I got some soft white that's sure to come back brown. I get that butter all night. Cause most niggas don't know a brick from a white They keep buying hard white And if we free tomorrow night We can meet and discuss price FYI, I never been robbed in my life oh, You find a chick shit, you hold up in a crib And let her introduce you round town like a man Shake hands, make friends like it's all innocent Then, before they look up, you selling a town cook-up Or, gorilla pimp, come up on that killer shit Take a nigga brick, smack up, then you sell it back to them Yeah, Still yeah, in that's Brooklyn? gangsta, I think I'm going with that one Make y'all a check for eight hundred dollars, Jigger Man. Holla. One nine hundred hustle, Seagull. Holla at your boy. What's up, C? This Chris out the Young Guns, dog. What up? I'm ready to smash these niggas in the rap game. The niggas taking too long with that advance money and shit. Yeah. Talking about chill, chill on bigger bills. Yeah, I feel that. You well connected, dog. Let me holla at somebody real. Alright, look, I got the perfect person for you. Hold on. Click line two. Listen, shorty, you wanna roll, just give me the word. I ain't got time for a sentence, all that shit is absurd. You find a strip first. If you don't cook, find a bitch first. If you don't hustle, find a nigga who bitch first. You new in town, no red and blue in town, it's gang. Don't get fresh, let them know you small change. The strong move quiet, the weak start riot. We know you got a brick, but sell them 20s till they tired. With no credit, you know you sick with that, gotta eat fetish. And other niggas who getting it, get it. Make them a note, that they can't refuse. He resists boxing me till he can't be moved. Here's the rules chop it, bag it, stash it, stack it. Get in, get out. That's an OG's classic. Now on it, hustler, you pass it around. Wanna speak to me direct? Hit extension, straight pound. I'm out. One nine hundred hustler, Seagull, holla at your dog. What's the big problem, young boy? Yo, what up? It's murder, death, kill, homicide. Yo, watch your fucking mouth, man. Fuck you mean watch my mouth, nigga? I don't know how long you been on the line. Shut the fuck up. Matter of fact, hold on. I know this thing that just put, put me on hold, man. Fresh. Pick up my five. First things first, watch what you say out your mouth When you talking on the phone, the hustlers never play the house Stank drought, keep heat in the couch When you sitting in the presence of customers Never hold out, pull out, don't heat and be out If a nigga ever think that he touching ya Lay low, get cake, whip all over the sink Sash go, whip game, whip right out of the thing Niggas too close, whip right around this place You stopping though when we clutching the gas I know you heard friend of foe, this ain't different from that Make sure you got your 4-4 nigga slip if he like Young John Bernay daughter missing the night And yo, until you up, stay away from them dice and whores Three smuts, two straights and a dice Cause boys want three bundles, two straights and a pipe for sure If it's tight, then he might come back for more Nine and four, every day back and forth Winter to summer, one nine hundred Hustler, pass the number till you're stacking balls Tell you how to waste shit wet and package more Take cash or write the check out the FR Two E's, that'll be two G's.
and forget my money, I'm coming for all your keys, girl. When I Yo, hey Just, can you talk about yeah. what I think, and I think a lot of people in here agree is a classic album, Philadelphia Freeway. Mm. Yo, so out of all the dudes from State Property, Free was the most humble. And, um... He was the most humble. Y'all, y'all wasn't on yet. Y'all didn't have a 900 hustler verse. He did. I say that then. <laughs> and he yeah, came. Yeah, that's a hell of a scene. That's Chris on the second. Let him take this question. Chris on the second. Get yeah, this question to hip hop. <laughs> Yo, and which one? <laughs> this is what we doing? Not Philadelphia <laughs> Freeway. All right. Free came to me on a humble and said, yo, Just, can I get a beat? And this is not Young Guns, because they were the most, second most respectful, they were just as respectful as Free. But at the time, I had a lot of the Philly dudes coming at me like, yo, we need beats, we need music. You owe us. I'm like, you don't have a deal. <laughs> Damn, Just. I do a record for you, that means I don't get paid. So, Free came to me on a humble one night. Right before me and Groove was about to leave, it was like, yo, can I get a beat? I said, you know what? I just bought this ASRX and I made something that I think is cool. Let me make something for you. <laughs> Always about the machine, right? No, so, so I made this record, I made this beat. I leave, I come back the next morning and rock the mic is born. And where, I got there late because I was there the latest. They're, they got girls in the pool, they yeah, Girls you gotta talk scrub. about that, Jet. Not to cut you off, Jet, yeah. but you gotta talk about that because we went to Miami and yeah. it was recording, so you gotta let them know. I, I remember they yeah, was trying to do a Miami. Beans and Bleak album. Yeah, yeah, we was in Miami. Thank you, Leaf. Thank, Thank you. Hold up. That's <laughs> important. That's important. No, no, that's very important. The State Property album came about because we were trying to do a Beans and Bleak album that didn't work out. I talked too much, so I was trying to cut the story down. My bad. I'm a good job of that. I'm a chill. Wait for my turn. So we had a whole bleak, about a half of a Beans and Bleak album done, and it was the one time that the BR2000. All right, all right. Hold on, hold on. For real. Hold on, hold on. For real, for real, for real. Who's cut me off? Because he knows what I'm about to say. Hold on, hold on. No, you know what I'm about to say. No, I'm just defending Beans and Bleak. Okay, so Bleak is really early. He works at like nine o'clock in the morning, and Beans works really late. So when we was in Miami, it was like Beans was, you know, super late, and Bleak was super early. So it wasn't working out. So it was like Free was like, "Yo, come on, fam. We've been down here these many days." That's not what happened, Guru. We were going to a strip club, okay? Before we left to the strip club, Freeway walked in and said, Just, can I get a beat? Yo, I got situations going on now, fam. Come on, strip club. Freeway walked in and I said, All right, hold up. I found the beat that I had in the ASRX. I made it over on the NPC 2000. Gave him the beat and we left. And we went to the strip club. We walked back the next morning to people jumping in the pool <laughs> and girls dancing everywhere and brought the mic being born. Right. Yes. Who is right? He's talking about the overall. Yeah, the pool, the yeah. pool definitely is right. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. 
We definitely was in From the pool. From that point on, we, me and Freeway had a bond. And from there, I just started giving him pause, giving him everything, and he was giving me everything. Pause, pause, that was terrible. <laughs> yeah. But like, anything that I came up that I thought sounded halfway good, he w I, was give I was playing for him, and he was rhyming to it. Over that, over that nah, course of time, I we started to pare things down. What, for, what him? No, I was saying that I remember one day, we, me, you, and Free was in the B room, and you had that dat. Right. And most of those beats was all off that dat that day. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, that yeah, day. I remember that day. Yeah, I remember we picked definitely. all of it because we had just bought all the records. And you started did it. You did the free, all yep. them joints. And then it was just a dat. And it was like, and that was the first time we really was able to like get out or get the framework of yeah, out together. Be ahead of time. Where it was wasn't like, oh, we got a song now. Let's start. Oh, old boy started. Okay. Ancient the, Israel started. Okay. You know what I mean? It was like, we going in to work on free, and you had that dat, and I remember like every record that he did, we, we did a couple later, we did Flipside later, and a couple other ones later, yeah. but. Wait, no, hold up, for Flipside, if you remember, God bless, if you remember, Flipside was supposed to be the, the, remix, uh, the, the remix. one of the first B and J records. The, the, what, what? Yes. <laughs> and it didn't happen. Jay pulled me aside and said, "Flip the, flip brought the mic for Beyonce." And I said, "Okay." And I made the initial flip side beat. That didn't work. And then I gave it to Free. Free rhymed on it, and then Oskino got on it at the end. Then we figured out a way to make it into flip side. That was one of the last records we mixed that sound on sound. That was one of the last records done for the album. That wasn't an early record. That was almost towards the end. I mean, it wasn't as late as the Ed, Alan Anthony. I mean, yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was like one of the last records. It was in the cut for a minute, put it like that. It was yeah. in the cut for a minute. I, I think the dopest thing with Freeway for me was that, like, just got in the zone, and at that point, it was like, I right, creating a whole album. Freeway is so creative that it was like Free would do anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, Free was just trying to win. He was so dope. And I remember, like, trying to prove people wrong because people was like, yo, I don't know about the voice, ghoul, da 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 And then, like, Free was so creative that everything that we was making was just, like, it was just hot. So I remember, like, doing what we do in the office being like, nah, it ain't got no hook on it, ghoul. Yeah, I don't know if that's a single. Remember you did a hook, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> And we had to we go wrong? back and try to try a hook and all that. But it was like, yo, it was already hot. It was already what it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Everything was, Free was. was doing was hot and Just was in the zone. So it was just like, I don't know, that Free album was just special. If you think about everything that's on it or what we do, the flip side, the like, like it's a lot of good joints features. on there. It was man. a lot of features on there, like Nate Dogg joint was, you know what I mean? Yeah, rest in peace, Nate Dogg. Yeah, rest in peace, peace, you know what I mean? We had like... Whoever was coming. Now, to all my life was free. definitely also set a, a good a good tone for that album mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. I want to say that was one of the earlier joints you had did too. Yeah, we was in Kali. We had we had yep. did like a little uh, stay in Kali. Yeah. And I remember I was in the studio. I remember Nate Dog came in, rest in peace. He like leaned on the piano. He had like a fifth of henny. <laughs> He's like, I got you. He went back on the henny. They played the beat. He was like, I was like, oh shit, it's going down. <laughs> <laughs> that was also the same day that I gave you Pump It Up. Damn. Yeah, I remember wow. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
What you made pump it up on? Wow. And you and bees and badass that used to be down with the dog pound was all sitting in there like, <laughs> and you were the only one that was actually willing to lay a verse to it. And then Beans was like, no, I'm out. <laughs> I remember that. Well, guys, we also have the Young Guns up here. Give it up one time. Right, give, it up. give it up. Shout give it up. Shout out to Chris and Neve. Word. Guys, would you mind if you did a little bit of Can't Stop, Won't Stop real quick for everybody? Yeah, we cool. want to start us off like that? Let's go, get left, left, yo. Mommy feeling my baguette, show my, my whole neck glow. Say I'm young without the sex, though. Now could it be I'm the one, lady check, bro? Yes, ho. Got grown with my mama. Hit me all kind of ways. Suck and swallow everything. Wait before the ramen. No, it ain't about the age. It's all in the strokes. Chickens thought I was a joke today. Y'all say, can't stop, won't stop. Rockefeller, cuz we. Cuz we. Girls, the girls, they love us. Cause we stay fresh to death, we the best. Can't hear y'all, can't stop, won't stop. Point out Neef's shoes right now. He said he yeah. has, hasn't worn these in I brought in these 10 out years. for Biggs and Emery. I thought Emery is going to be here, so I brought these out. He's about 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, you too, Jess. You go hard on them. Just look brand new. Just go hard. Quick, this is my yeah. first time wearing these like 10 years. I had these for like 10 years. Hold it up real quick. Take it off. No, pull it off. Yeah. yeah. Let him see him. Yeah. Show the bottom, the bottom, the bottom. I need Biggs to sign them. That bottom, though. Show them the bottom. Show them the bottom, because that's really official. Every, anybody can put their little print on the side, but that's, <laughs> yeah, that's I put stamp. my shit on the side all the time. That's stamp right there. Thank you, Justin. Um, Jimmy, what did, what did linking with Rockefeller Records do for the diplomats? That was, that was the... Uh... What was the situation like before at Epic? Um, well, you know, we signed to uh, Entertainment, which was... Uh, Biggie Smalls label, God bless Biggie Smalls. He, uh, he's the one that started us in the game. He gave Cam his first deal. And then we was, uh, we was with, uh, we're, we're on at uh, Entertainment. That was cool. Cam bust out the gate doing platinum. And then um, one of them had lost a deal up at Sony. And then um, that dropped us off Entertainment and we went back to Sony. When we was at Sony, it was a, it was a terrible time. Uh, we got we got the attention of Dame, and Dame was willing to manage us at that time, kind of help us through the uh, the rough times. And then um, it came to a point 
like 99, 2000, and Dame was like, yo, look, we gonna try to, I'm gonna try to see if I can get you signed up here at Rockefeller and see what uh, Jay and Big say, say about it. And um, before I know it, Cam signed the deal up at Rockefeller. It was on after that. It was springboard, and, and around the same time he signed the deal, he had got the, he had got the, uh, the part up in, um, paid him full as Rico. So it kind of, he kind of had like a double springboard going on. Like it was, a, it was a hell of a time for us, and, and at that time, especially for us being in Harlem, he was hella young, and um, you know, when we lost, when we lost that deal on entertainment, it was we thought that we wasn't going to be uh, rapping anymore, be relevant to the rap game at that point, and um, Cam did what he had to do to stay afloat in the streets. I did what we had to do to stay, stay afloat in the streets. And um, Dame saved us. He, uh, he, gave, he gave us that, he, he gave us that motherfucking hand up. If it wasn't for Dame, I don't know if it would have been a diplomat because it was a real sketchy time in life for us, so, you know. And you delivered, yeah, give it up. You guys delivered uh, Come Home With Me as is? No, no, we worked on Come Home With Me after we got the deal. We was, that's when, that was our initiation into. Yeah, we worked on that motherfucker. <laughs> that was yeah. It was like half and half. Some of, some of the joints that we did at Sony were at Hit Factory before the Rockefeller deal. Yeah, because we was and already, we was already yeah, started, like had, had the relationship right. going a little bit, so it was already kind of going down. That but was, That was definitely, that was a hit thing. But Come Home yeah, With Me, yeah. the full steam came when we started going to the baseline and the guru and, and you and Cam start coming in like, yo, we got we to gotta get as much beach as we can from Just Blaze. We got to <laughs> just get as much as we can. Like, that was Cam's whole thing back then. Like, yo, we got to load up on all the Just Blaze beats we can. This was before Kanye yeah. was was Kanye and shit like that. He was just like, yo, I would, and, and just- I was actually there when y'all saw the, the- uh, You was in the house with us? They, they ain't played us a bunch of records. We was in Cam had. House, right? Yeah. Watching it on Cam Red Couch, there. right? And I was just like, all right, I'm gonna step to the side now and go outside. Yeah, they ain't played us a bunch of records well. that they had, you know what I'm saying? And they had a bunch of great records, but we did Hey Ma, we did Welcome to New York City, we did Old Boy, we did- uh, Huh? あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ
us getting a, a new life, and, and you know what I mean. So it, it just was different. Cam was like, "Fuck it, we taking everything. If they if they don't like it, then we gonna deal with it later. But right now, we, we gonna go. We took it to the radio. We like, let's get the videos done. Let's put <laughs> Jewels on the, on this record and let's go. Like it was a real snippet. Like Jewels wasn't on the record. Like it just was a snippet. A Cam just doing an old boy. What was it like? A minute, Guru? Right. You heard? Yeah. Right. Came back. Cam said, "Now let's finish the record." Got Jewels in there, and we all sat down and finished. Uh, that Jewels record. was actually already on it. Nah. nah, he yes, wasn't. He was. No, he wasn't. He wasn't on it. On the first version? <laughs> nah. Yo, wow. Yes, he was. <laughs> not when he. Anthony, not when you start when, clapping on. Not when Cam. Not when Cam took the record to the thing. He wasn't on it. Uh, that first day, had ninety-seven. Nah, he got yes. on it the next day. Yeah, he got the on it. The next day, day, he got on. So, on so then there were two day. different versions that the radio yeah, was playing. No, the radio. Of the course. The record stopped. The record stopped at Google's phone. Andrew Wells was on it from that point. Nah, wait, 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 wait. How much you want to bet? Listen, listen, Cam did the record. He said, nigga, we got to go to the radio right now and just put that shit on. Word and we come back and get Jewels on later. But we got to get this shit played right now yeah, so they up. know it's our record. Because we don't know what's going to go on. We just word got in this Rockefeller building. We got to get busy. Word Thank up. you. Damn, just. Word up. Word Just. Finally. So oh, you, got the the, time. you got the Hot 97 version? Just place. Okay. But 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 hold on hold on hold on hold on. This a con. This a this rec this record though. It was a world when you know that shit was just didn't stop there. Like we got the record now, it turned into something else. And then we was there. Cam wanted to get Jay on the record. Jay on the record. Cam was Cam was a ill cowboy. That Jay did the verse. He said, "Man, fuck that, man. We erasing this shit." I said, "This nigga's crazy out his mind, man." <laughs> But that's my nigga. I'm like, fuck it, bro. Whatever's gonna happen, gonna happen. But yeah, that 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 song, that that beat was a blessing. That 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 like like Big said, Hey Ma and Oh Boy changed our lives completely. Took us around the world, gave us the label for diplomats, got you well signed. Like it, 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 without them records, we would we wouldn't be where we are right now. And, 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 At the time, they say that too. Hold on. Besides 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 that, besides the Oh Boy and all of that, what y'all not really understanding is like y'all gotta remember the time when like Dipset was just on K Slay with a different record every single week I was recording and mixing all of that shit which eventually went into Diplomatic Community which which was like you gotta give respect yeah. to that to that shit too. And you gotta what you call it? Like, like the heat makers. Like they was fucking heat crushing makers, yeah. at this time. Like, don't, don't sleep Shout on out that the heat shit. Shout Cause you remember Some, the heat makers? And remember, Cabell um, and Shane. Shout you remember, out to heat makers, um, and Shane. Yo, you, you remember when they came and we and we thought the beat? I got the beat and they was like, Nah, you like I got that beat. That's my boy beat. And it was top five. Word up. And then we bought them in. Yeah. And then they came in that day, and I think they did gangster music and they did um. I'm ready. Get, I think nah, I'm ready. Nah. I think yeah, I'm ready. Because the gangster music yeah. we did in Chicago. I never forget yeah, yeah, gangster gangsta music. We took that beat and we did in Chicago. We did I'm ready. Because yeah, gangster music. I'm ready was the yeah. first one they did. I'm ready. And it was over from there as far as the dip set sound that, that eventually came started right there as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-oh. Lean to the left. Lean to the right. Lean to the left. Hey, you bounce. It goes lean to the left, hey, lean to the right, hey, lean to the left, then you bounce, then you bounce, motherfucker, then you bounce. Yeah, man. 
Then you bounce, motherfucker, then you bounce. Today's a new day. Got the bootleg up in the suitcase. Go up town to Harlem. Tell them that I sent you. Tell them it's August. I'm going to November. I need a couple birds. Get abroad. Have them sent up. Please. Call my bird. Get my broad. Have them sent up. Please. Call my niggas. Call my squad. Have them sent up. I see a town I'm liking. See a nigga get money in a town I like it. I run up on with the pound and light it. Like it's my block. Now we're right, kid. He understood me quite clear. But then that thing rang out of the side of his right ear. And I got back to my business. Back to my bitches. That Pyrex vision. Pot. I let that white stuff sit in. Get hard, get rock. Get to the block and pitch it. Cause this is how I'm living it. Come fuck with me for a minute. Listening to gangster music. I stood at home, hand on the chrome and zone, flicking the channels. Gangsters do it. I stood alone, getting thrown from a thick chicken sandwich. Watch this shit. Hey. Woo! Woo! Yo, Jimmy. Huh? Yo, I ain't gonna lie to y'all. These niggas was crazy. They would put out songs. They didn't even know who produced the beat. <laughs> not facts. Forget not paying. Facts. Forget not paying a nigga. They didn't even know who produced it. Nah, we was crazy. I ain't gonna lie, man. We was crazy. We 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 owe a lot of producers some checks, man. We was we was loose with that, man. But you know, it's all good. It's all love. Jim, what what was your guys' relationship with State Property like? It, it, it was love like you know it, it, it was at first it was like you know we got to figure out how else but it just them niggas was just like us them niggas got high got fresh ran around with guns went crazy jury phone calls they they looked like they was in a gang we was like it just it just it just matched and then them niggas was dead nice and rapping that was the that was the number one thing cam was like them niggas could rap you niggas better come to the studio with bars Every time you come to the studio, you dig, and I just was starting to learn. Like Guru recorded my first song when everybody went to Philadelphia All Star Game. I'll never forget that in my life. That was the first rap song I did in there. So you know, Cam was always Cam. Cam grew up in the era where that wherever you went, wherever, wherever you went, there was a rap. Night. You were sick that night. Yeah, that nigga, nigga said. Some... That nigga said I do this shit sick, stuff and congested. He said everybody at the All Star game. The nigga Jimmy the first. I, I remember that fucking night. That's yeah, that crazy. Was, that was that was the first. That was the first <sighs> diplomat record and shit like that. Ah, uh, see, there's so yeah. many fucking memories, man. Y'all got me bugging out up here. Now, what you was saying again? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was just asking what your relationship was with with. State oh no, Pro. well, like I was saying with State probably like the the bars was very important. Like that was always Cam thing. We because Cam came up in the era where wherever you was at, it was like it would be a battle. Like no matter who the rapper was, no matter how big he was, no matter how low he was, you pull up to a concert, they in the back of the back in the back of the concert, rapping, spitting bars at each other. So he was very adamant about that. And then when he when the Philly dudes came through, it was like, nah, these niggas is rapping like they from up the block. You gotta come. With the bar, you gotta come in, and then it just matched. We was all about the same age. We on Rockefeller. We felt stronger than any of you. But anybody moving and shit like that, you go to Philly. They had it sewn up. You come to Harlem. We had it sewn up. Then we got a chance to move around together. The only thing that I that I that that I always wish would have happened, we, we got a chance to go on that Rockefeller tour. That was the only thing that yeah. That 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 that's the only thing I wish that happened out of everything. Cause I'm not mad at nothing. I, 
I'm I'm here and I'm happy, but if, if we'd have got to get on that Rockefeller tour, that would have been some fire. Make it happen, it's not too late. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right, it's not too too. Um, Chris and then Neef, I want you guys to each tell a story about Big Face Gary. <laughs> 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 Shout out to Big Face. Just because I'm looking at Wayno right now. <laughs> um, one time in the quad, I forget what happened, but he used to, um, like, Wayno <laughs> used to run around with him. That was his little man, or you know, whatever. Like, not his little man, but, you know, he used to run around with him or whatever. And, uh, but Wayno used to be in Philly a lot with us. So one time he came up to, uh, we came up the quad, we was deep or whatever. Something happened to the point where I think Wayno said something to Big Face, something disrespectful, but it was something like Philly slang. And Big Face stood up. It was the phone and everything right there. He kicked the phone like, you're not from fucking Philly. Like, went crazy on his finger. Yo, we was dying, man. Face was the truth. <laughs> oh, bro. I ain't gonna lie. Wayno worked with us, and I really thought he was Yo, from Philly. Like, I really thought I Wayno from Harlem. He, he was with Wayno was from, from Philly. Philly. He was going to Philly to ride back up with them in New York. And I really thought he was from Philly. <laughs> Yo, Jim just said I thought he was from Philly. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Wayne was from Philly too. I didn't tell him he used to be with Philly. Philly. I thought he was one of y'all people. Yeah. Neef, what did what did um what did I might I might have to make my own Make my own shit up. <laughs> make my own shit up. What Biggs right here? Cause they might not know Biggs. You know, it's Jay and Dame, and then it's you. But you was very a part of Tough Love album. I'm talking about picking the songs. Yeah. What we put out. He's the reason why we put out No Better Love first. And then me and him, we went back and forth about Friday night. Yeah. And you was right, and I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, like he was very instrumental with Tough Love album, man. Like he really was a part of that whole thing. I think Dame was really at Rockaway at the time, and Jay, Jay was doing what he was doing. But you know, whenever we called him, he was there for us. But you walked us through everything with that album, and I really appreciate that. It helped change my family life. You know what I'm saying? Real talk, yeah. and I appreciate okay. that. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? How was that, how was that uh, video shot out in the, uh, in the mountains when you guys were skiing? That was my idea. <laughs> that was my idea. Were you a skier? My idea. Were you a skier? Um, no, no. Look, 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 look. I'm going to talk about, listen, I, I seen the way, you don't remember me and you? We went to shot, shot the video in D.C. The video y'all shot in D.C., you, Jim? Me and you was together. <laughs> the what hey video hey shot video. Hey, 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 I seen the way Jim was getting checks and moving just on his business <laughs> shit. And I said, man, listen, I got to tell my story. Where we come from, from Philly. I got to, you know what I'm saying? So we, I wrote the treatment for motherfucking uh, No Better Love. And the shit just, ha just happened, man. You know what I'm saying? Hold up. I, wanna, I just want to add on to that. Real Talk shit. To, you don't know this, but... Vaughn knows and like my man Murder and a bunch of people. I used to like get on Bleak Crew to like really step up because I was like, yo, fucking Jim Jones is getting 
Jim Jones used to get engineering checks. Like he used to, <laughs> he used to get engineering no, checks. He was a rapper. Like how you, he was recording himself or he was just, and then the same thing, and he took that and then he turned it into watching the yeah. uh, director of photography shoot a video. It's like, wait a minute, you ain't, I could do that. I could write the treatment and I could, and you could just hold the camera for me. And he started directing and I would remember like using it as motivation like, yo man, we got to step up. We got, there's other ways to get money because we're not utilizing, you know what I'm saying? I was like, Jim is getting engineering. Yeah. You know what that is? Yeah. That's like me owning was, the restaurant. I was getting $9,000 checks every Friday from engineering camp. Wow. Cam, Cam's album, because I was, it was too easy. They had an assistant in there that did really everything. Everything I learned from Guru yeah. was simply how to record. I said, Cam, I need to check. He said, bust it, as long as you don't fuck up the album. I made, it, <laughs> I made the assistant pretty much do everything, and I sent my invoice in. Let me get that check. Hold <laughs> <Right> up. <laughs> That's why I started selling those pictures. Like, <laughs> right up. Kodak Lens is born. My bad, Chris and me. <laughs> yeah, come on, you keep cutting me off, man. Yeah, Let's... front row talks too much. <laughs> but no, shout out Emmanuel. I was with Emmanuel. Emmanuel rode up to right. D.C. and Jim was out there early to prep everything for their video. And I just seen how he was moving and, you know, it inspired me to do right. much more and learn the business and, you know, get into other things. But um, I remember, I think I got, uh, I think I, the girls that was in the video, I think I had. Yeah, uh, I sent those over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said that. <laughs> Who sent those? Cause, cause I, I sent I had, those through. I had Maya Campbell for me, and I had the other girl that was from Maya? the TV show for Brandy. Bill, right? They was both popping at oh, the Brandy. time. But no, yeah. Maya Campbell couldn't do it. So Biggs gave me an ollie hoop last minute. And you know, Brandy yeah, gave Brandy. me a Brandy gave me a fucking headache the whole fucking video shoot. <laughs> and I know people see it. That's why I sent it to the video. Yeah, and no people see it this time. You know, on love and hip hop and all that. Wow, she, she gave me a headache this, the whole time. So shout out to he was that. pissed. He gave me the alley hoop because I set it up. The women or whatever it ain't work out for me though. Yeah. <laughs> but the one you had was married, so you couldn't do nothing really anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you were stuck on a cabin, too. <laughs> uh, I got a question for the whole panel. Uh, what, was it, what was your reaction the first time that you guys heard TakeOver? I mean, it's, it's a couple takeovers. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, yeah because um, the one that everybody here was not the one like he performed. Because that's right. why I got four verses. So it was like, we did the song and it wasn't out, and he just performed it, and that was it. And then Nas heard what he said. The song ended with Ask Nas, he don't want it with hold. That's where it ended at. And Nas heard that, made a song, and then Jay added a fourth, another verse on there talking about Nas. So by the time we, you hear it, it done got performed, and it got done over, you know what I mean? So it's been... Then they did another record, the Super Ugly record, so it was hard to just hear it and it's at one time and get that impact, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, because it was more about Prodigy than it was about Nas, to be honest, you know what I'm saying? Like, the whole three verses was about Prodigy, the, the screen, everything, rest in peace, you know what I mean, P? But it was like, that's what it was at the time, and when he said Nas, Nas reacted that way, and he was like, okay, let me go back in, you know what I mean? But, you know, the beat... Was, uh, was really, like I said, for Beans, but we couldn't clear no samples because it was too late 
So it was just kind of lingering around, like when, you know, when Jay, you know, when he did it and stuff, you know what I mean? And who was at Summer Jam? Who made that phone call to Michael Jackson? <laughs> I forgot. I don't know. I think, uh... <laughs> I wish. I know it was epic. I think it was Jay Brown. I think Jay Brown, right? I think it was through Kadada. Yeah, right? yep. that yeah it was sense. through Kadada. Yeah. Yeah. And who was at Summer Jam for I, that? I was me and Chris was there. I was Everybody. on stage. Yeah. I was there. Yeah. We all was there. Yeah. 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 Was there. Yeah. 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 What was that like? Michael Jackson came out on stage, dog. What's the Michael Jackson at a at a rap show. The only crazy part was that Michael never came out at first, so there was like a little Yeah. There was yeah. like a pause. Like yeah. 15 minutes. Like, it, yeah. felt, it was <laughs> like a long time. It was, long, it was like a couple of minutes, but it felt like an hour. That you, we were just waiting. But that's what, saying, Michael Jackson. that's what made it live that Jay went back there and yeah. brung him out himself. Like he didn't want to walk that's out. That's what made it live. I don't know. It was, it was 50, 500 niggas on stage. Like He made him not want to walk <laughs> out. And then Jay went back there and spoke to him. And then he came out and talked to all these niggas, jumped on him with a picture. <laughs> What's like an inside joke that brings you back to your time at Rockefeller? Pause. Definitely man, all pause. All the niggas did was bust on each other, man. Definitely, <laughs> definitely pause. pause. Rock Rockefeller was built on jokes. <laughs> hey, hey, yo! Hey, yo! Exactly. Case hey, closed hey, right hey, there. I'm ahead of my time. What the fuck? He did that. You drawn. He was drawn. Hey, yo. We're just what? breaking all kinds of news tonight. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> Pause. Y'all wouldn't let me. <laughs> Pause. That's already out on the wire. <laughs> Who made the name Rockefeller? He's here, standing right there. Tone right Shout there. out to Tone Hawk. That guy right there. That guy right there. That guy right there. Come, come out, Tone. Come, come out. Come on. Let the people see you. What's up, party people? Original flavor. Tone Hooker from Original Flavor. You think uh -huh. you're all that? <laughs> Can I get open? <laughs> and we couldn't get out of here without talking a little bit about Kanye West. Um, True. Hop, when did you first meet Kanye West? I met Kanye West in 1996. In Chicago? In Chicago. Soon as I got the job, um, I don't know how, but they called me to do um, a panel in Chicago. And, um, and, I, and that's the thing, I met No ID first. And, um, and we just, we was on the panel together actually. And we was just got cool, we just talked all night. And I told him I was work. Jay, I just came out, and he was like, I don't got nothing for Jay, but I got this other producer who I think style will fit more with what you're trying to do. Yeah, that's crazy. No, I did just did the whole Jay album. <laughs> um, he said he ain't got nothing for Jay. <laughs> yeah, so he was like, you know, I ain't really got nothing for him. He was doing Common Sense at the time and stuff like that. So the next day I met Kanye, and it was just, um, it was really nothing. It was just like, hey, I got some beats. You know, we kept talked on the phone for like, for maybe two years or so. You know what I mean? Just sending me beats in the mail. You know what I mean? Jay not taking nothing, nothing sticking, and nothing like that. And then um, eventually, yeah, can't be life. Eventually was the one that that um, that 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 cut through 
which was like something I knew Jay would take. Like I knew Jay would take that sample. I knew he wanted that record. So it was just like, hey, do this, you know what I mean? And then um, he played it over the phone and it was like, you know what I mean? I was like, send it. He had to send it in the mail. I had to wait like two days for the record, <laughs> I remember. Because, you know what I mean, he was like, y'all want to sit the next day, but I don't know if I got enough. <laughs> so he had to sit it regular. We got the record, and, it, you know, it was over from that point on, like, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, so it kind of started with, with that. But before that, I knew he was dope. Uh, just like I knew No ID was dope. I knew, you know, big. It was people who I always wanted to work with, but at the time, I just wasn't there yet. So it was when Beans is when I was able to do what I wanted to do. Like, he let me, whatever I gave him, he rapped on, you know what I mean? So that's what Kanye's first song, Truth, ended up being. Uh, it, did everybody on this stage have a moment when Kanye went to you and said, yo, I can rap, and then like rapped forever to you? 100%. So you gotta remember, like, I know Kanye from way before Rockefeller. So he was managed by D-Dot and, and Free from So So Def. And I remember Kanye from Go Getters. Kanye raps on everything. So he would always bring the beat with a rap and a hook and you know the whole vision for like the whole He would song. present the beat and rap on it at the same time. You know what I'm saying? That was that was what he did. So it wasn't it wasn't that thing. It was just like I remember it was a point we was used to that. We was used to him rapping on the beat and giving you an idea. And that's what the producer's supposed to do. But it was a point where um the Lauren Hill C D came out. Like I'm a huge Lauren Hill fan. I bought the C D, he stole my C D. He went and made the All Falls Down, and then Hot played me two joints. He played me that, and he played me an early, like, what was it like? Jesus Walks, right? Hot with, with like an early version of that. And Hot looked at me, and he was like, yo, the boy ready. And that's when I, that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to take Kanye serious. But it was, it was really Hot like saying, like, yo, like, these two songs, that Jesus Walks and that other one, he was like, yo, he ready. Like, he seen it early. That's when I... You know, I was used I was used to it, like Kanye rapping on the beat, but Hop seen it first. Biggs, did you see it? A hundred percent seen it. Dame thought that it should just be a compilation. So when he put out through the wire, I actually uh hired an independent um radio company because Def Jam didn't want to deal with it. So I started chasing the record. And I remember at Virginia, DC it started popping around there. I remember when it had sixty spins. And then I was like, Look, we got one, trust me, we got one and I had to tell Kanye to put out All Falls Down next because he wanted to put out Jesus Walks as a second single. But I seen where, you know, the commercial success that All Falls Down could have. So after that, that was actually my second project after I did Young Gun's project and Dame was at Rockaway, I did Kanye's project. So that and State Property too. So those are the three, you know, albums that I, you know, I pretty much worked on while everybody was kind of gone. Um, what does Dame not get enough credit for? everything. Dame was so dope, like, like, let's say there was Violator. Violator had a record label and he had a, whatever, like a $3 million budget. Let's just, I'm just throwing a number out there. He would have like five employees that would all get a really big check. And Dame would be like, we gonna split this $2 million overhead 28 ways. You know what I'm saying? Like we had 28 employees or whatever it is, like, he really, really like, I mean for me especially, gave me my shot, gave me the shot of like moving from street team to A&R and just even having the vision of making sure that everybody was good and everybody got their shot and everybody got their chance to prove themselves. And as long as you stood on your own and you did what you had to do, like, 
you was gonna be all right with him. Yeah, I think he made everybody believe in themselves. Yeah. He made everybody feel like, look, you can do what we're doing. You can start, you know, you can build your own and you can do that, you know. And even when we sold, it was that old boy video too. And we got our probably first, what thing it was like 20 something million dollar check. So we were celebrating there that day. We took a million dollars and busted down and gave it among everybody in the staff, you know, to give back. But that was right. something Dame was like, yo, we need to give back to everybody and make sure everybody eat because they've been along this ride with us. Yeah, but I think that um, to add something because like me and Jim went to school together and we came up basically going to Dame House and just listening to J tapes that was like there and just hearing them talk on the phone to like booking shows and you know what I mean and, and they trying to get on and him working with Big L and just moving and doing so much shit at like a young age and I'm still in high school I mean, with him or with Duke the guard and we all just just watching him so when it came down to it to be like oh we starting the label do you want to work it wasn't even um wasn't even a question it was just he just gave so many people like opportunities like who never did nothing like I never I didn't even know what I was gonna do he gave me my name my job so it's just you know what I mean so it's just like he, he, you know what I mean? He set me straight. You know what I mean? He signed Kanye. So it's like, you know what I mean? I can't like thank him enough, to be honest. Give it up for Dame Dash one time, guys. Yeah. Shout, shout to Beans, too. We, shout uh, to Chris, Beans. He couldn't come, but Chris, Word we up. FaceTimed him in the back earlier. Yeah, just Word had him on FaceTime. Yeah. Shout to oh. Beans. Shout to Bleak. Bleak, who's out of the country. Um, there's a lot of people that we wish could have been here. Yep. Tata. Tata. Emery. Emery. Yeah. Is this where we bring out Jay? Yeah. Just like real quick? <laughs> yeah, wait, Just wait, like wait, a quick? Wait five more minutes. Yeah. I, think, I think though, um, the collection of people that we have up here, like we said, were so instrumental in, in, in not only changing music, but, but changing the world, to be completely honest and, you know, in the most non-cheesy way, like, and I think when they say you should give, you know, people flowers, you know, oh, they when, while they're still around, yeah. um, I, I think what you guys built at Rockefeller Records, every single person here, whether you were signed there, whether you were not signed there, whether you were totally happy there the whole time, whether you were, you know, at the highest rank or at the bottom, I think each one of these people up here and Chaka who had to go, um, thank you guys. Thank you guys for building an incredible, incredible legacy. So, one time for hip hop, one time for Biggs, one time for Lenny S, one time for Young Guru, one time for Just Blaze, one time for Young Chris, one time for Shoot Bucks, one time for Freeway. And one time for Jimmy Jones, Bob Gale, that's your girl, it's for real. Thank you guys, good luck, Thanks everyone for listening to this amazing, unbelievable, spectacular, dream come true of a podcast of a waste of time with It's The Real live at Highline Ballroom celebrating alongside all of our friends over at Rockefeller Records. And you can listen to all of our podcast episodes over at SoundCloud.com slash A Waste of Time. You can also go on iTunes, search for A Waste of Time with It's The Real. We are also on Tidal, probably, especially after this podcast. <laughs> we are also on Google Play. Any streaming service you want to find us, go find our podcast, A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Our music is over at 
iTunes and Spotify and Pandora and Tidal and Google Play and on YouTube. If you go to YouTube, you can watch our music videos, our interviews. You soon will be able to watch the unbelievable video put together by our friend Carl Lunds, youtube.com slash it's the real. And you can also follow us on all social media at it's the real. That's Twitter at it's the real, Facebook at it's the real, Instagram at it's the real. You can also go on Snapchat and find us at it's it's the real and it's the real Eric because it's the real was taken. Fuck whoever took it's the real on Snapchat. We will come and we will find you. And go right now to it's the real.com slash shop and pick yourself up a shirt from this episode right here, when we went to the Highline Ballroom, we brought a ton of shirts. We sold a ton of shirts, but we still have some left. It's thereal.com slash shop. Show everybody that you love this podcast and show everybody that you love Rockefeller Records. Yes, and now this podcast does not grow unless we start telling people all about it. We like to start with ourselves and our friends. And so I want to shout out basically everybody that was on stage. Oh, my God. I want to shout out uh, Latrice Burnett. Yeah. I want to shout out Manny. Yeah. I want to shout out... Um, Shari Bryant. Shari Bryant. Wayne O'Clark. Clark. Yeah. I want to shout out Jay-Z for asking for the audio shout and video. Shout out to Jay-Z. I want to shout out Jay-Z just because. Yeah. Why not? Shout out to a lot of our friends who wished us well beforehand. I want to shout out the squad. That's Ashley and Estelle and Jason and Peter and Lonnie and Dan. I want to shout out Joe Button, who we ran into when we were... Uh, doing escape the room for your birthday and wished us great luck shout out to mall shout out to rory they put on a great show at highline ballroom before us they set the bar shout out to reggie and a king yeah premium pete uh uh, uh john Morrow. john mena everybody at loudspeakers who have been so good to us since we've been at loudspeakers network Shout out to Peter Oasis for helping bring in this podcast for Highline Ballroom. Shout out to the advertisers. Shout out to David Cho and Phil Chang and Nur Ozdemir. And man, there's just a long list of people. Matt Fastow and and Ray the Hussein. Shout out to Ray out there on Long Island. Ray Shout Rodriguez. out to Raven who wasn't able to make it. Shout out to everybody who wanted to come but couldn't. Shout out to people who were there and definitely like tried to do business with me when i was not in the mood to try and do business shout out to everybody who made that long drive and play oh our friends over at the officially street podcast who came through guys go check out the officially street podcast that's j omega zaire zaire shout out to um shout out to officially ice oh my god officially ice who told us afterwards how great a job that we did and he would know shout out to foster shout out to phil uh man just a long list of people who supported us through the years shout out to people who hit me up at four or five o'clock asking to be put on the list (laughs) and shout out to me for probably making it happen shout out to elliot wilson for asking us to do a playlist over a title and check that out his encouragement shout out to our brother dan who has been nothing but supportive for i mean our whole lives but certainly for this event and without him none of this would have been possible shout out to our brother dan also for wearing the crispest suit he did dan came straight from work and hung out and bossed up at this amazing event we wore rockefeller chains after this so shout out to the young guns for being so kind and chaining us shout out to everybody who was in the building shout out to everybody who's watched this or listened to this Spread the word about this episode. Spread the word about this podcast. Bring us to your city. Listen to our music. Watch our videos. I'm Eric. I'm Jeff. Not for real. For real. Sure, sure. We will see you guys next week. Brat! Right.